Welcome to another edition of Technically It Is Real. I am your host, Tyrell Jackson. Welcome to the show. You know how we do it here on TIR. We keep it R-E-A-L 100% real. We do not pull back on any punches and we shoot straight from the hip. So sit back, relax, grab that drink or that snack that you enjoy so much and enjoy the next two hours because this is Technically It Is Real. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Technically It Is Real. I am your host, Tyrell Jackson, and we are back here in beautiful Valley View, Ohio on a cold Saturday morning. Isn't that lovely, people? But I got two very special guests. I got my boy, the great white, white Andy. What's happening? And I got my boy, EJ Flex. How you doing? Yo, yo, yo. So how we doing on this beautiful Saturday, guys? I'm tired. Me too. <laughs> I'm doing great. Good, good. I, I knew you had that energy of, you know, I'm just doing great. You know, your your dad, you know, you used to getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning cutting grass or whatever maybe. His kids are, his kids are grown. <laughs> it doesn't matter. That dad vibe doesn't come out of him just because his kids are grown How now. How dare you? You have no kids. You don't know yet. I, I don't know, but you, you got young struggles. You no, I haven't. lived the struggle. I got a one and a two-year-old, almost three. Look, it's not my fault that my PO game is strong. It's, it's not my fault. <laughs> a lot of people don't know what PO means, okay? <laughs> they don't need to know. We on FCC guidelines, so I mean, we, we don't need to know at all. So, um, so tell my audience a little bit about yourselves. Let's start off with you, uh, Great White White, and you know what brought you here to Ohio Media School, the and what your uh, the Great White White. Thank you, I appreciate it. So, what brought you here, Andy? Uh, you know, just a uh, career change after 22 years in the same industry. I decided I wanted to. Chase a dream that I had since middle school, being on the radio. So uh, that's how I ended up here at the school. All right. What about you, EJ Flex? Honestly, man, I just needed a big-time career change. And uh, just listening to Emmett on ESPN 850 and just listening to all the uh, commercials. We talk about OMS and uh, radio and media. I was like, you know what, let me try it. I mean, I enjoy talking sports. Why not do it for a living? All right, all right. Let's talk about sports. Let's talk about the NBA trades that uh, went down. Uh, we had the huge one that happened between the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers. James Harden and Paul Millsap going to Philadelphia in exchange for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks. EJ, what you think about that? I think that was an excellent, excellent trade oh for the God. Nets. Excellent. You for know the what? Who? For the Nets. Why? From a chemistry standpoint. See, a lot of people want to – kind of devalue the chemistry they only think about the fact that a team has three or two stars but chemistry matters and for anybody that thinks that the Nets aren't going to pay for the fines once the playoffs come for Kyrie to play home games you're out of your mind the Nets are going to start paying for the fines for Kyrie to start playing and for them to have a facilitator that you know the type of facilitator facilitator that Ben Simmons is like they sorely need that like they don't necessarily need a James Harden type player like Ben Simmons, he's going to be able to contribute to them. And he's a guy that's not really going to take a lot of shots. That's what you got Kyrie and KD for. So, And he brings excellent defense. Not just that, Andre Drummond, he's a little bit of a loaf. But at the same time, the dude can get re- oh, excuse me, the dude can get rebounds and steals. Like, I mean, they stepped it up on the defensive side. Offensively, took a step back because of James Harden going away. But 
I think from a chemistry stand, a chemistry standpoint, it's a perfect fit. Yeah, I, I'll sit back and say this: uh, Brooklyn definitely gets a much needed rebounder and drum it because the, I mean they they needed it badly. Uh, it's definitely uh, in a situation where Brooklyn likes to play a lot of small ball and everything like that. Um, they added some depth with with uh, on the bench with Seth Curry. I think he comes off the bench, gives them some good points, especially uh, behind the three point line and everything like that. Ben Simmons, who knows what's gonna happen with him still? I mean, is he just gonna all of a sudden go? Okay, I'm ready to play. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, I don't know what that is and what that situation is going to be about with Ben Simmons. Um, but I feel like Philadelphia also won in this trade, getting James Harden, getting Paul Millsap. Paul Millsap can play the four easily and can hit those corner threes and everything like that and has an excellent mid-range jumper along with Joel Embiid. And then you got to turn around and you got James Harden who can add uh, some much-needed uh, playmaking abilities and some wild factor to the team. I think this is, as of right now, it's a win-win for both teams. But it's only a matter of time of who got the better energy. Both teams might have got the perfect amount. You know what I'm saying? I just think Philadelphia, not Philadelphia, um, uh, Brooklyn. I feel like Brooklyn did give up a little bit too much because you don't know what's going to happen with the team. You're giving up two first-rounders for a guy who could or could not be. No, that was Philly. Philly gave up the two oh, first Oh, that's right, Philly. So thank you for correcting me on that. So Philly gives up the two first-rounders. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, you don't know what this team is going to be if you're Philadelphia. You know what I'm question, saying? Like down the line. Question about the Harden piece of it. Mm-hmm. If Steve Nash said just last than, less than a week ago that they weren't going to trade him, even though they know he's going to be a free agent next year, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it's changed – was he lying to us before, or was there something more to that? Publicly, they were lying, but at the same time, Harden was using the back channels, uh, a la his agent, to communicate with Philly, so on and so forth. So Harden wanted out. Yeah, Harden for sure wanted out. He just wouldn't say it publicly because he was afraid of the backlash that he would get because this is the second team in two straight years that he's wanted out of. Um, he wanted out of Houston. And here he is, comes to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. He basically tells other teams that he will not re-sign with them because he wanted to play with Philly, with KD. And then you come to uh, – not not Philly. Um, you want to play with KD, with the Nets, Nets. And then you come here and you want out. So, But at the same time, I get it from his standpoint because KD was supposed to be your friend, not Kyrie. Mm-hmm. So that relationship with him and Kyrie, there was nothing really there beforehand. And then, you know, you come into the situation, KD ends up going down with the injury, and you're stuck playing with Kyrie, and you're like, yo, what is this dude doing? Coming in locker rooms with Sage and all kinds of mess. Like, he's uh, he's different. That's <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, he is. He is. Uh, and, and then, like, the thing about Harden, like, I said back and say this, Harden – Leaving Houston, one out of Houston was totally justifiable. He was there for a long time. The team was ready to go and take mode. He's trying to win a championship. He already won the MVP and everything. So now his legacy is on the line because he's trying to win a championship. The whole Brooklyn thing, again, it didn't work. Those three guys, Kyrie, KD, and James Harden, only played a total of 16 games together. Mm-hmm. And I remember everybody last year was like, oh, this is the super team. They're going to win the championship and everything like that. And it's like, no. Harden didn't have a good series against the Milwaukee Bucks last year. KD right. had to carry the load for everybody. Kyrie was out with an injury, and they had nobody to really stop uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo from going inside the paint because you had no Jared Allen. 
You know, you had old DeAndre Jordan who lost a step. I mean, everybody knows that. You know, like Brooklyn set their team up with a bunch of names from like 2014. Reminds you of the Los Angeles Lakers. You know, just set up a bunch of names that were relevant in 2014, 2013, whatever it may be, and expect the championship out of it. You can't do that no more. These young guys are getting better. They're getting faster. They're getting stronger than these guys that, you know, got great marketing behind and everything like that. So... For James Harden to go to Philadelphia, I think it's a fresh start. I think it's a fresh opportunity. I think him and Embiid's game will mash mash up well. And on the back end of that, Ben Simmons gets out of the situation that he that he ever wanted to get out of. And also they get another Brooklyn gets another scoring option and kind of like the same style of KD minus the shooting and everything like that. And losing Seth Curry, that's gonna be big. That's like, huge. That's gonna it's, be real big. It's taking away their three point shot. Yeah, I feel like honestly the Nets are the favorite in my opinion. Uh, depending on how Ben Simmons plays, because he's not in basketball shape. He may be in shape, but he's not in basketball shape. And plus, he hasn't played since, what, last year, early last year? So, go Wait, ahead. Wait, EJ Flex, criticizing Ben Simmons? Uh, this, this must be a great day. I'm not necessarily criticizing him. I'm saying that it's different being in actual shape. You can work out at the gym. You can do all that running and stuff like that, but – being in basketball shape is completely different. Like, you have to be out there. You have to get that rhythm. You have to be, you know, playing, running up and down the court and whatnot. Like, it's it's a big-time difference being in basketball shape compared to just being in shape. So, and then also a lot of people kind of, like, look past the fact that James Harden is kind of – he needs to be accountable for his actions as well because, Facts. you know, he contributed to – everything that happened in Houston as well. Like, the fact that you choked away a lead against Golden State, oh. I mean, yeah, you, you know lost what? Chris Paul, but at the same time, like, y'all y'all choked. Like, yeah, legit they choked. choked. But I don't, I don't put that all on James Harden. I know a lot of people that, I mean, trust me, don't get me wrong, James Harden had a bad game, but when the entire team misses 27 consecutive three-pointers, in a game seven, yeah. that's not just a James Harden thing. That that boils down to coaching as well because if you're sitting back and you're the head coach of a team and you see them even miss five straight three-pointers, why don't you just make the adjustment that you need to make and be like, okay, let's calm down from the three-point shooting. We still got the lead. Bunch of twos, inside shots, high percentage shots, mid-rangers, 10, 15-footers. But they just kept shooting threes. I can't necessarily put that on James Harden. Granted, bad game. You know, he didn't step up to the plate, but nobody else stepped up to the plate, and the coaching staff did not step up to the plate, neither, during that series as well. I mean, but wasn't he the leader of the team, him and Chris Paul? I'm not saying I'm not saying back to saying that he wasn't the leader of the team. What I'm saying is is that when you – like, if you're the head coach of, of a basketball team, right, mm-hmm. and you see your team miss, like, six straight three-pointers, but you still got the lead, when you call a timeout and be like, okay, we're stepping away from the three-point shots from now, we're going to go ahead and get these high-percentage shots, the layups, dunks, inside, you know what I'm saying? Because, what well, at the time, they had Pascal Siakam as well. And they had nobody to really check Pascal Siakam unless they put JaVale McGee off the bench. And then that was a whole different story. But Are you, you talking just, about Houston? No, I'm talking about, yeah, Houston. Because then they had, no, no, not no, Siakam, uh, Clint, Clint Capella. Capella yeah. Thank you. So you, you confused had, me. <laughs> I mean, I confused myself too a little bit. But you had Welcome Clint, to my world. <laughs> but you had Clint Capella. You know what I'm saying? And he was and he was balling out throughout the entire series. And and you turn around, you use him, you go inside, you get these high percentage shots. James Harden step up oh, step away from the three, get you get you get you behind inside and go ahead and shoot them mid range jumpers. There was a whole lot of things besides James Harden, uh, you know, being being the leader of the team, whatever it may be. It, it, that right there, missing twenty seven consecutive three pointers. Yes, the players go out there and play and shoot the shots, whatever it may be, but that's coaching because they still drew a plays to open up the three. 
but also you got to take into account the fact that a lot of these star players, yes, they are good, but are they coachable? Was James Harden coachable? Was he willing to listen to the coach? Let's say the coach may have called a certain play to be ran, but James Harden blows him off. For example, LeBron James, David Blatt. LeBron mm-hmm. did not uh, – he didn't respect David Blatt. There was a play where LeBron was supposed to throw the ball from out of bounds after that timeout, mm-hmm. and I think it was Kyrie who was supposed to take the final shot. Yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Something like that. LeBron said, no, forget you. I'm taking the shot. You know what I'm saying? So – we at the same time we don't know what was going, going on on, on, on the yeah. court, but I mean, if I'm a player and let's say I'm playing with James Harden and you're supposed to be the leader of the team, like I expect you to step up. I mean, you're mm-hmm. supposed to be the superstar. You're supposed to be the one to lead us. If I'm the role player, I'm expecting you to be able to think uh, think for yourself and switch your game up. If you see something's not working, well, stop doing the isolation step back three. You see it's not working. Right. You can't right. think for yourself. You need somebody else to tell you what to do. But that's, that's your job as the coach. That's also your job as a coach. And, 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 like, and I've always said this about, about coaches and everything like that. If you can't get control of your team, especially your star player, then maybe you're you not the right guy for the, for, the, for, the, for the job. I know these star players got these egos, and there's a lot of egos mashing and everything like that. But at some point, the coach got to step up and be like, hey, I'm coaching the team. You're going to shut up and do it or sit your ass down. Plain and simple. That, that's, just, that's just my personal opinion. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then, like, the other trade that I wanted to talk about real quick, Kristaps Porzingis to the Washington Wizards, and the Mavs get Spencer Deadwilly and Bertans. I mean, what do you think about that trade? Honestly, I think that was the best they were going to be able to do. I don't think any other team was going to be willing to give them more for Chris uh, for Kristaps. And I always kind of, like, think about Kevin Love's situation with him being injury-prone. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, he was looked at as, like, a mild content. So, there's only certain things that we as the public hear about that comes out of the locker room and that are, that is reported. I'm pretty sure we'll get some kind of article um, breaking down what happened and what led to the split because at one point, Kristaps was a integral part to that team, mm-hmm. and um, he was a big part of their success. But, I mean, the dude is injury-prone. Yeah. Like, he cannot play without – breaking a nail uh, like it's it's always <laughs> something so i can see why they wanted to uh you know let him go and they wanted to kind of figure things out uh without him so i mean i like what they got uh spencer dinwiddie underrated he's always been underrated even when he was an all-star that one season yeah yeah he had that aco injury but he's still a pretty good player um as i don't know about fit though uh I mean, he's, I mean, he's going to get you like 13 to 15 he, points a game. Yeah, he'll get you 13, 15. But with Luka Doncic, uh, he basically has the ball 24-7. <laughs> right. Like, he has majority of the possession. So, yeah, uh, that bond certainly didn't develop the way the clubs wanted it to. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, and they played well together, but the, the problem was is that, you know, Kristaps was never on the court. And yeah. I, I think that's one of the main reasons why the Mavericks made that trade. I think it was a little hard because I think – like Mark Cuban does like Kristaps, but the problem is, is like, okay, I need people who are available compared yeah. to people that are, you know, injury prone and they got maybe yeah, because Kristaps, I would say back and say is a better player than Dinwiddie and Bertans when when it comes to when he's healthy and the 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 plays that he can make and the space that he creates and the shots that he puts up. Kristaps is definitely like one of those guys that should be at a Hall of Fame level, mm-hmm. but the the problem is is like he's always injured, so yeah. like Kristaps. 
career is starting to space off into a big what if, like a right. like a Brandon Roy or Greg Oden, you know, guys that can play good, but they're always hurt. They're never available. And yeah. I think the Mavericks made this trade. It was like, okay, I got two players that can be available. I'm adding defense when dip with Dinwiddie. Go ahead and trade them. And Why don't, not? Don't sleep on Burt's hands either. A uh, really good knockdown shooter. And the way that Dunchit or Doncic plays – he sees a lot of attention when he attacks the the paint as well, and I mean you kind of see them kind of building their team like how uh, the Cleveland teams built uh, with mm. LeBron. I mean, so don't sleep on Burt's hands because he can really knock down that three. Yeah, I, I agree. What you think, Andy? Well, I think obviously this is a contract dump. Uh, that's I think that's been clear from the start. But you're mm-hmm. when you talk about the fact that this guy who's making what 150 some odd million dollars over the length of his contract has missed 21. Of 55 games, mm. I mean, that's a problem. It is. That's a problem that they got to take care of. It is, for sure. Um, so, we this is, this is the day before the Super Bowl. We're going to talk a lot of Super Bowl talk and everything like that. So, when we come back, we're going to start talking about the Super Bowl with the best Super Bowl moments of all time and the worst. You're listening to Technically It Is Real here on North Coast Underground. We'll be right back. Let's go inside the mind of a 10-year-old. I should have worn earrings today. Buckle up, Sarah. Michaela's got, like, the best earrings. Sarah, buckle up. I wish my name was Michaela. We're not hitting the road until you buckle up, honey. Oh, yeah. Seatbelt. I wonder if there's pizza at school today. It can be tough getting through to kids, but it's your job to make sure they're wearing your seatbelts. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. My name is Judy Teeter, and I'm the mother of three boys. My youngest, Joe, loves sports, music, and his youth group. One day, Joe asked me to drive him to school. We were going through a green light when another car ran a red light and hit us, killing Joe. The National Safety Council estimates one in four car crashes involves a cell phone. Hands-free is no safer. Visit nsc.org slash callskill. Welcome back to Technically It Is Real here. Again, I got my boy EJ Flex and Andy, the great white white. The great white white. The great. Amen. Hallelujah. The. So, <laughs> the. There you go. The. Like, like Ohio State. Like the, the Ohio State. Yeah. Exactly. Don't right. forget that second E, baby. Right. That's yeah. why they couldn't get the copyright. Yeah, go uh, get that copyright. You know, Andy already got it. Yeah, so. right, right. Because, <laughs> you know, the University of Miami tried to do the same thing. You know, idiots. So, <laughs> let's get into it. Super Bowl is tomorrow. But we, we trust me, we're going to get to talking about the actual game itself but why not reminisce about the past because this is the 56th edition of the Super Bowl isn't that crazy mm-hmm. 56 years so we know we got to talk about some of the best and worst moments and we're going to start off with the David Tyree catch EJ break it down Ooh-wee. that was my favorite moment in the Super Bowl just seeing New England lose and Eli Manning Amen. drive that team down the field and just put a stake through their heart Man, and a lot of people forget Plexico Burris, the one that caught that touchdown to pretty much finish New England, yep. New England off. So. That was in the forgotten moments. Oh, one. You yeah. jumped the gun on that one, but yes, <laughs> yes, it was. And, you know, that David Tyree catch, I mean, let, let's let's break down that particular play in of itself because oh Eli, Eli gets rushed. Like, they're blitzing mm-hmm. him. They're grabbing on the back of his jersey. I mean, they're yanking him and everything. And then next thing you know, you just see little old Eli just escape out of all that mess because I thought he got sacked at first. And I, I was like, I did too. I was like, wait. He didn't get sacked, and he just launches it up there. He's like, screw it. Somebody's down there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And with the safety on top, I do not get how David Tyree made that catch. That was amazing. Oh, my God. I mean, right here on the helmet. Right on the helmet, yeah. 
going down, the ball never touched the ground at all. Yeah. And I'm like, did he really make that catch? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy, but that whole drive was crazy. Like, and then you had the the uh, the Steve Smith uh, first down play where he, you know, he stretches out, you know, but not everybody's not sure if he actually got the first down or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole drive was just like crazy, but that play in particular was just like ungodly. I mean, we've seen helmet catches since then, mm-hmm. but nothing like that. We'll see like every now and then a guy catch off the shoulder pad and use his helmet as security, but mm-hmm. for like the football was like super glue yeah. at that moment. It yeah. was like his helmet and the football was super glue and there was nothing you can do about it. I mean, the safety played it as good as he could. Yeah. He played it as good as he could and uh I think that was Ronnie Harrison, right? Yeah. So Ronnie Harrison plays that play perfectly. Yeah. And Tyree just makes the better play. He just made a better play, exactly. See, that was one of my – that's probably my favorite Super Bowl of all time. But really it comes from a negative place. I hate all things New England, especially the sports teams. <laughs> I mean, and I know hatred is a strong hate is a strong word, but oh, I gotta yeah. say, if there was a game coming up, New England versus China, I'd be really conflicted. You know, I don't know who I would cheer for. And I happened to be living in New England when this game happened. I was living in Maine at the time, and I remember walking around, and it was so funny walking around in the store, and they had all the T-shirts after the game, and really, really big bold print, undefeated, and then really small print. Uh, regular season. It's oh, an undefeated regular season. So it was it was great just to see them try and claim that undefeated. You know, now sorry, you're not the '72 Dolphins. You're nope. you're still they're still the only undefeated team. Uh, so that that was just phenomenal. It, it was. I mean, would y'all sit back and say that was like easily one of the biggest upsets in sports history? Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you hadn't seen a run. Like that, that eighteen yeah. and run. Yeah, I mean it was mm-hmm. insane. But y'all remember who they beat to go sixteen and zero, right? Who did they beat to go sixteen and zero? Wasn't it the Colts? Nope. Who did they beat to go sixteen and zero? Uh, I don't know. The New York Giants. That's right. They they beat the New York Giants, yeah. and and that was right, the thing. Right, and right. I think that was the reason. One of my main components of why I think that the Giants end up winning that game. They just played that team a month ago. Exactly. They just That's played that great. team a month ago. So I mean, in, in New England, they had that. What well, they 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 beat Jacksonville easily. But I I thought the the one time I thought New England would have actually lost before getting to the Super Bowl was that Chargers game. I think if LaDainian would have played well and mm. Phillip Rivers didn't have that ACL injury, yeah, which right. nobody talks about. Phillip Rivers gets the ACL torn the game before, has surgery on Tuesday, and plays the game on Sunday. That is – he's got some balls for that. Man. He do. He do. So, I mean, like that whole Patriots team – I mean, Randy Moss, Tom Brady, you know, you had all these guys. The defense was insane. I'm like, this team is going all the way. And to be honest with you, I had the Chargers going to the uh, Super Bowl. That year? Yeah. Yeah. I had the Chargers going to the Super Bowl. They were strong. But then Phillip Rivers with that ACL injury. Well, it was really Damon Thompson complaining about his hamstring. That too. You know what I'm saying? It was always injuries with them when it came to the playoffs. Yeah, and that's why a lot of people started uh, turning their back on them because they're like, wait, our quarterback is out there with a torn ACL and you complain about a little little hamstring thing, you know? So, I mean, but without all of that, we don't get the David Tyree catch. We don't get the David Tyree catch if Corey Webster doesn't pick off um, uh, Brett Favre in the in the in the, uh, in the NFC Championship game yeah. and everything like that. We yeah. don't get stuff like that. It's just this whole big old butterfly effect. But I'll tell you another great moment in Super Bowl history. Super Bowl 34, 
<laughs> very last yep. game, one yard show. One yard Who? Line. Mike Jones. Not not the rapper, but Mike Jones makes the tackle on Kenny Dyson on the final play, one yard short. Rams beat the Titans twenty three yeah. to sixteen in that game. Yeah. And the 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 crazy part about that is that everybody talks about Dyson, you know, getting tackled one yard short. A lot of people. Don't forget they for, they don't forget the play itself, but they forget that Kenny Dyson was the hero a, a, a month prior yeah. when he made the Music City Miracle Run because yeah. he's the one who caught it and ran it all the way back. So without that, again, you don't get a play like that. Exactly. You don't get a play like that at all. It's like everything just kind of like was meant to happen that way. Yeah. And yeah. another forgotten or another play that isn't talked about as much now is that Julian Edelman catch against Atlanta. Oh, that catch. Who don't talk about that catch? I'm just saying. Like, well, nobody really wants to talk about it is because New England and everybody got yeah. sick of the Patriots, you know, winning the Super Bowl and Tom Brady and whatnot. But, like, that was an amazing catch. Like, he literally caught the ball between two defenders. Mm-hmm. Not only that, as it but was the falling. ball was, yeah, and it was bobbled, too. Like, if he doesn't catch that ball, New England doesn't win that game. Yeah. And a comeback, too. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, that, that, that catch is crazy. And I remember I was like, did he catch that? Mm-hmm. And I was like, eh, he caught it. I was like, there's no <laughs> doubt in my mind he caught it. And I remember I remember watching that game. I was I was over at my brother's house, um, and he had a couple of his cousin-in-laws over, you know what I'm saying? And everybody's like, yeah, you know, Falcons go up 23, all oh, this game over. You know, everybody starts texting on their phone. And I just peeked my head up because my brother got, like, this big old chair. You could just sit back and relax and get comfortable and stuff like that. And I peeked my head up, and I was like, oh, the game ain't over. Yeah. And everybody looked at me like, Bro, you tripping. I said, uh, largest comeback in NFL history, 32 points. Game ain't over. Yeah. And then New England starts coming back. Yeah. And then everybody went from here on their phone, and then they just looked up and looked at me and like, what the heck do you know? I was like, you don't you don't bet against playoff Brady. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. I mean, that, that was amazing. I'll give you another one. James Harrison's. Pick six oh, against man. the Arizona Cardinals. I can't. I can't put anything, any kind of best moments related to the Steelers. I Look, I don't like the Steelers neither. But no, come, on. come on, come on, come on, because you got that. You got the San Antonio Holmes game winning catch. Which, if if you got to go one A one B with great Super Bowl catches of all time, the David Tyree catch and San Antonio Holmes game winning catch is like up there at one A one B and whichever one you decide. I mean, those are two of the greatest catches in Super Bowl history, in my opinion. That James Harrison moment? What James Harrison moment? Oh, uh, come on. Come on. <laughs> Can you imagine? Anybody remember that do moment? anybody imagine James Harrison running a pick six like that? Wait, who's James I mean, Harrison? in dramatic fashion. Oh, my God. Are EJ. you talking about the barber down the street? No. <laughs> no. No, you know what James Harrison I'm talking about. He came in here, he'll rip your head off. Uh, no, I'm not aware. Yeah, he is a pretty big barber, <laughs> I mean, <right>? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but that was, I mean, Goes goes back, I think it was like 92 yards or something like that. I mean, runs, and then Larry Fitzgerald just tracking him down the sideline. <laughs> at this end, And Larry's just like legit trying to get around everybody to get to him, and he finally gets to him. But after James Harrison scores a touchdown, ends the half like that. I mean, it changed the game because Arizona probably gets in and score, yeah. and that doesn't happen. I mean, he just run to me, one, one hell of a moment. And, and can I throw something there real quick? You were talking about the New England – well, we were just talking about the New England and Atlanta game. Where do we see something like that happen before? 
not the comeback, but just the fact that the offensive coordinator just completely went away from the run and a oh, team came back. Oh, um, specifically with that coordinator, Kyle Shanahan. Um, what Super Bowl Fifty? Nah, here in Cleveland. Remember when he was off our our offensive coordinator? Yeah, there was a lot of times where he yeah. went away from the run. Yeah, a lot of times. And once I saw New England start to come back, first it was that first touchdown, then it was the second mm-hmm. touchdown, and I said, you know what? Yeah. They're coming back. Yeah. Because that was Kyle Shanahan's MO yep. to this day. To this day. Still. And and I and I and I tell you this too. Actually, it's not really his MO now. Now he run the ball too much. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I tell you this. The the play where they're in field goal range and all they had to do was run the ball mm-hmm. and then kick and then they drop back and pass and Matt Ryan got yeah. sacked. That was it. I was yeah. like, why? Would you drop back and pass your infield goal range with the game under control? Yep. I was like, did you really call that? Mm-hmm. I thought that was stupid. But Kyle Shanahan will always be a legend here in Cleveland. Oh, yeah, for sure. He will always be. I mean, Because he contributed to that breakup. He did. But who makes a 32-point PowerPoint I would. to quit? I mean, that, that is one of the most <laughs> legendary moments of all time. That takes balls. It, it does. It does. I'll give you an old moment. Joe Montana's game-winning drive against the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh yeah, John Taylor. Which people, I don't know why people still think Jerry Rice was the one who caught the game winning catch. No, 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 no. John Taylor gets it. I mean, that's easily the greatest Super Bowl of the of the nineteen eighties. Yeah, hands yeah. down. I mean, what they had the ball with three what three thirty seven left drives down basically the length of the field in three minutes and just takes over. I mean, that is one of the greatest drives of all time. I can't wait to see another play like that tomorrow against the Cincinnati Bengals. Ooh. Okay. Okay. We don't trust. Got we our first prediction. I give you another one. Saints. Oh man, was that the onside kick? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody forget though that Pittsburgh did it years back when they played the Cowboys and it failed. I didn't forget. I just didn't watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So worst Super Bowl moments in your opinion? Worst Super Bowl moment. Ugh. Seeing Pittsburgh play in the Super Bowl? Yeah, that, I agree with you on that one. Um, Super Bowl 30 at halftime show? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least Justin Timberlake apologized. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> what, just what, last year? <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> Yo, you took advantage of that fame. And Janet like, oh, my God, no. My and, you, know, and, you know, it's you're absolutely right because his uh, – <laughs> He started going upwards, and Janet Jackson went down. So. Yeah, yeah, and the and the crazy part about it that wasn't the only worst Super Bowl moment in that Super Bowl, because John Casey, after they scored a touchdown, decided the game kicks the ball straight out of bounds. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, the worst thing you can do is kick the ball out of bounds. That's the worst thing you could do. And I'm and I'm gonna jump ahead a segment right here real quick when I make this point. Ricky Pro got to be the number one person to hate Tom Brady. Like if I'm Ricky Pearl, I would hate Tom Brady forever. If, if I if I sit back and make two game tying Super Bowl catches in the clutch, and you telling me this guy drives down the field and sets up the field goal and nobody remembers me at all, like I'd be mad. I'd be like, you know what? I done worked 16, 17 years for you to come around and just take my moment away from me twice. Yeah. yeah. And and two, it was like what two times in three years. Because he makes the game game tying catch when he was w- with the Rams in Super Bowl thirty six, and then he turns around, goes to Carolina, makes the same catch again mm-hmm. with Jake DeLome as the quarterback, and then John Casey kicks the ball right out of bounds, and then everybody say that's history. 
Now, do you think Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time or the greatest playoff quarterback of all time? Both. Okay. Both. I mean, you, you don't you – don't, I mean, granted, he has some luck on his side a lot. But, I mean, if, if you really think about, like, just the start of his playoff career, like, he started off 9-0. and Started like nine and 10 and zero in the playoffs to begin with. Um, he just hadn't you, been caught yet. Yeah, for real, for real. Wait, caught what? Cheating. Oh <laughs> my god. Hey, you cannot deny those those balls. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, the flake gate. I mean, yeah, hey, those, those balls played a big role. I mean, but didn't the Colts get blown out too? Yeah, they did. Okay, yeah, thank they, you, they thank did. you. That's all I got to say about they that. Had a lot, they had, you know, the balls had a lot to do with that. I mean, they. I mean, are we sure here? Because, you know, it's, it, it was the Colts carried by Andrew Luck and nobody else. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, come on now. But don't I mean, forget they, about those balls. Yeah, I mean, the NFL didn't. I mean, they, they wrote a 400-page article about it. So, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you write a 400-page report, but you can't release those emails. Yeah. Like, come on now. I don't think you can talk about worst serpable moments, though, until you talk about Russell Wilson. End zone interception. Oh my God, that's right, that's right. One, you 40, don't give the ball to Marshawn Lynch. Super Bowl forty four, I think yeah. somewhere. Forty forty nine, forty nine. Yeah, okay. you you don't get the ball to Marshawn. If if they run the ball, do you really think that they win that game now? You th- do you really think they'll be able to run in, into the end zone? I mean, because what New England was, they were set up for the run. It was just Malcolm Butler. He made a smart play. Do you remember what? Do you remember what happened to play before that? I do not remember. Okay, here's a forgotten here's a forgotten moment right here. They ran the ball with Marshawn Lynch to play before. Okay, and he got stopped at the one yard line. Here's another thing. You remember people, the play before? I don't remember yesterday. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm tell you. I'm gonna tell you another thing Alcohol that half has something to do with it. <laughs> really? <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> uh, I'd say. I'd say. <laughs> you left him speechless. <laughs> he didn't leave this time. He just doesn't know what to say. <laughs> so. <laughs> He had to be I'll driven finish. to his car last I'll night. I'll finish what he's trying to say, everyone. <laughs> yes. So, I, I think I think they get in. I think they get in because of the simple fact is this. New England had two timeouts left, and they let the clock run. Bill Belichick's mindset was, I'm going to let him in, and then Brady's going to drive the, drive the ball down the field. And it was very similar to what happened in Super Bowl 46 when they played the Giants. Same thing. Now, the Giants were smart by just giving the ball to, I think it was, Amar Bradshaw. And then Bradshaw was like, oh, snaps, they let me score up too late, and my momentum carried me in. New England was doing the same thing. Like, Belichick could have burned one of those timeouts, and he didn't. He just let the clock run, and then they passed the ball, and the rest is history. You know what I'm saying? So I think New England lets him in. And then they drive down the field because Belichick was doing it. Belichick was like, I trust Tom Brady to lead the team down the field and kick and, and tie the game up. Because mm-hmm. they was they was the final score was twenty eight twenty four. You let him in, it'll be, you know, barring they make the extra point, you know, it's it's twenty eight thirty one. All you need Brady and you got two timeouts. All you need Brady to do is go down the field, kick a game time field goal, and then send the game to overtime and then figure it out from there. And that was Bill Belichick's whole mindset. It's just Pete Carroll out coached himself. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. He he did out coach himself because that I mean that everybody forget everybody's oh you gotta get the ball to Marshawn. Why didn't you get the ball to Marshawn? They gave the ball to Marshawn the the play before that. So the rumor was they did not want Marshawn Lynch to get the limelight or the success. They wanted for Russell Wilson to do it since he was their young quarterback that was going to be getting the big contract and taking mm. over. He was gonna be the face of the franchise. 
Do you believe that that is the case? I I can believe that from a and also with his behavior before right, the Super Bowl. Right. I can believe that from a general manager higher up perspective. I don't believe that as a coaching perspective. Like if if that's your objective as a NFL head coach, okay, whatever. It's stupid. But I don't I don't think Pete Carroll was like I'm going to make sure Russell Wilson is going to be the hero. I really genuinely thought what he said in that press conference that night was we were we passed the ball because we wanted to assess the situation on third and fourth down. That was his that was his main line. Me personally, if you're gonna pass the ball in that situation, throw a fade route and throw it either high enough to where just the receiver can get it or just throw it out of bounds and then you can throw do it on third and fourth down. My thing is, is why would you throw a quick slant route like that? Yeah. And man zone coverage in the Super Bowl when you got Marshawn Lynch. Yeah. And New England is going to let you score. Yeah, yeah. they stacked the box up a little bit. But like I said, New England did not burn the timeouts. He was going to score. I think that moment right there is what killed the Legion of Boom. After that, I feel like a lot of guys just kind of lost confidence in their head coach. Yeah, oh, no, because when they when they heard the whole press conference, Pete Carroll didn't – Pete Carroll took little to no accountability for that loss. Yeah. And – the one thing that got people to buy into Pete Carroll initially was taking accountability. So when they saw that, that's why what you had uh, Earl Thomas giving off middle fingers to Pete yeah. Carroll and stuff like that. I yeah. mean, they he completely lost that locker room. Seattle yeah. hasn't been the same since then. No, and like if you think about it, like that had to be one of the greatest assembled defenses to ever play. Not that one, and in the modern history, yes, yeah, in the modern history. Uh, me personally, I feel like. The New England, the first Super Bowl that they won, mm. was the greatest assembled defense in my lifetime. Mm. My lifetime, uh, just all the the talent that they had on that yeah. defense was just man. McGinnis and Brewski yeah. and Vrabel and, and then Law. you can also look at uh, Tampa Bay as well. Yeah, Tampa yeah. Bay, Sav Lynch, man. you know, um, Brooks. I mean, they they had a barber on the on the, on the one end on the corner. I mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen some a lot of great defenses, but like when 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 the Legion of Boom came out, a lot of people were saying defense was going away, yeah. and Seattle was like, "No, they still saying it. They still saying it." But Seattle kind of shut that shut that down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I've always sat back and say this: It don't matter how many points you score. It don't matter. You know, we can go you know hundred points each. We can go three hundred points each. To me, it don't. It does not matter who makes the best defensive play at the right moment. Yeah. And that's why I will always stick with the whole notion of defense wins you championships. Exactly. Unless unless Tom Brady's in the Super Bowl. Unless Tom Brady's in the Super Bowl, yeah. defense wins you championships. Yeah. Ask Philadelphia about that. That's they had a good defense. They had an excellent defense. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And they shut it down at yeah. the right time. Yeah. For sure, for sure. So when we come back, we all <laughs> – Andy, you got anything to add real quick? <laughs> Because Andy's just over there like, yeah, Tom Brady. I'm my new best friend, Becky. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) So when we come back, we are going to talk about the first team in the Super Bowl, which is the Cincinnati Bengals, their journey to get to the big game here on North Coast Underground. This is Technically It Is Real. We'll be right back. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I was sensitive to lights and sounds, so I built secret hiding places where they couldn't get in. Sometimes I do the same things over and over. Until one day, I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at AutismSpeaks.org signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. It's 6.42 p.m. 
Time for Steve Plato and his son Dylan to do the dishes. They talk about everything from the yuckiness of girls to the awesomeness of his soccer team. Sometimes they don't talk at all. Then, hey! the dreaded <laughs> splash fight. It's dad o'clock, and it's the best time of the day. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. All right, welcome back to Technically It Is Real. Song was uh, Barbie J with Charcoal. That was the first song. Second song was America's Pastime. I know nobody cares, but it's my job to do this, sir. I didn't get, you get paid? I do get paid, don't you? Yeah, I get paid. Who I got to talk to? <laughs> um, not us. Where did I go wrong? Because <laughs> you can't talk to us, buddy. Why y'all holding on to me? <laughs> um, because it's top secret information that we're giving away on the airwaves now. This is crazy. <laughs> this is crazy. You see what you you see what you did to us, Eugene? How much y'all make? Um, can't say that. Shit. A lot. Oh, 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 oh. FCC uh, guidelines. Exactly. That's, that's why they're not paying you. That's why you're not paying you. <laughs> you know, you out here violating FCC guidelines out here. Give my name. EJ Flex, see, with two X's. Three. No, see, we done told you about those threes. About three X's in your name. We done told you about that. But okay, but go it ahead. It looks cool though. It can look cool all it wants until they go until they go on the websites and everybody knows what websites I'm talking about. So They may see me. Oh my god, really? Well they might see a really stupid movie with yeah, Vin sh- Diesel. <laughs> Said it, not me. <laughs> I mean, that movie did suck. It he's, did. He's not, he's not wrong. Or they may see Afro Samurai. Oh, Afro Samurai was good, though. I'm not, not gonna lie I'm at not all. No, no, nah, nah, even though, I mean, you kind of got the Afro part. So you got the Afro part right, but I don't know if you got the Samurai part right. No, we're just worried about the blade. Boo. <laughs> Boo. Hey, get this man out the studio. <laughs> <laughs> All right, welcome back to the show. So let's talk about the Cincinnati Bengals' journey to the Super Bowl. The ultimate dark horse actually makes it to the big dance. Lucky. Well, Lucky. At least they're not playing San Francisco. Yep, yep. So we're uh, good-looking Jimmy G can drive the ball down the field and, uh, and win the game. <laughs> I mean, come on now. Uh, look, I'm a grown man, but come on now. Jim- Jimmy G, he gets all the ladies. I mean, that, that that's a good-looking dude. I wouldn't even have San Francisco winning that. Yeah, yeah, with Debo and everything yeah. like that. Yeah, Debo is a beast. It's a beast. I, I would have liked to see that matchup too. And don't forget about Ayuk. I mean, he didn't really get a lot of play this year, or mm-hmm. not play, but he didn't have like a lot of highlights. But he was pretty productive. He yeah. played a lot better uh, second half of the season. Yeah, he was. He was. He made some big plays for that. But Cincinnati, ten and seven, wins the AFC North title. This is one of the greatest turnarounds in history. After they went four eleven and one last year. Started off the wild card round beating the Las Vegas Raiders, almost said Oakland. The Las Vegas Raiders 26-19. They beat the one-seeded Titans 19-16 and then went into Arrowhead Stadium, or I'm sorry, G-E-H-A Stadium at Arrowhead uh, to beat the Chiefs 27-24 to in overtime. Correction, they did not beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs beat themselves. Um, Same thing with the Titans. Re- really? Yeah, yeah. Okay, explain. How often do you see Patrick Mahomes just choke just like what? that? Um, like Super Bowl, Super Bowl last year. Super no, no, Bowl. no, 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 no. Yeah, uh, no, no. Yeah. Offensive line had a lot to do with that. Mm-hmm. They did not game plan. They Patrick Mahomes 
is such a good quarterback that Andy Reid thought that they could just go into that game against Tampa Bay and do whatever because of how good he is. He thought that Patrick Mahomes would be able to overcome the bad offensive line that they had. They were down to undrafted free agent guys playing out there full time. So, and plus they lost Mitchell Schwartz last year, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about the fact that how often do we see Patrick Mahomes choke like that? Like, like honestly. No, that, that no, to me that was crazy, but I give Cincinnati this credit, okay? Because they the Kansas City drives down the field. Like they was like six minutes left. They used pretty much all that time. Mm-hmm. Drives down to the field. They're at the three yard line. Cincinnati played excellent defense. Yeah. They had everybody covered. They had they played excellent zone coverage. They were sending only three guys, but because everybody was so covered, those three guys eventually got to Patrick Mahomes. And if you remember the second down play where they ran the ball and he got stopped, I mean look, look, Cincinnati to me is not your your, your best team. They're not the sexiest. They're not the flashiest, but they play the right football at the right time, and this is why they're here. They play the right football against the Raiders when the Raiders are driving down down the field, and they got the interception on fourth down. They blew the whistle. Ooh. Shout out to my boy Charlie, a.k.a. Chuck J. They blew the whistle. I'm with you on that, dog. They did blow the whistle. They blew the whistle. But NFL rule states you can't go back and determine a whistle to stop a play in a review and anything Protested. like that. Protested. Protested NBA Look, they, style. They, 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 they made the right decision at that time, I thought. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's kind of hard. And then you don't know where the whistle came from because you do have idiots that are in the stands. stands. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you, And that has happened before in an NFL game where you have an idiot in the stands with the whistle, blowing the whistle and stuff like that. And you don't know if it's some Raiders fan that was there that got in, in shot of the microphones or even on the field. And then the whistle happened. So, I mean, they made the right call. Call it a touchdown. It is what it is. Because if everybody going like this, looking around like where the whistle came from, what, what, what else can you do? What else can you do? Call it a touchdown. The play happened. It doesn't matter if the whistle happened. The Raiders are playing all the way through, especially on the back end of, of, of the end zone. And they they didn't make the play. Oh, well. Tough break. Tough break. And and the Raiders still had an opportunity to win that game. So, I mean, you get – come on. Cincinnati playing the – Best football at the right time. Lucky. Lucky. No, they've been pretty consistent with situational ball. I mean, they do what needs to be done at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not the best all the time. I you know, absolutely agree with that. But situational, they have been good when they need to be. Right. Go back Go back to the Kansas City game. Yeah. First, at, at the end of the first half, they're down 21-3. to three. They right. scored. They, they scored. A, they not only did they stop them, but they scored a touchdown. Right. And then stopped them at the one yard line. Again, situational football. Now that what run right there was more of a coaching decision because, you know, Andy Reid is like, hey, I trust you. Go ahead and you know go get that score. And you know, Patrick Mahomes is like, hey, I'm one yard away. Let's 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 punch it in. Let's punch it in. Uh, I don't know if you guys have watched the 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 NFL sound bites um, that they uploaded, but you know, you kind of see that moment between Mahomes and Andy Reid where Mahomes is like, Andy Reid is thinking field goal, but Mahomes kind of wave him off, and then Reid was like, okay, fine, go ahead. You better punch it in, though, and they did it. In Cincinnati, they, I mean, th- that's what this team has been all year long outside of the right. third quarter. Like, the third quarter, they outscored teams um, like 121 to like 47 or something along those lines throughout mm. the entire year. And I'm, I'm a proponent of 
the third quarter is the most important quarter. Like everybody thinks fourth quarter is the dramatic, it's the final quarter, and everything like that. Your third quarter sets up your fourth quarter. Absolutely. And if you have an excellent third quarter and you can not be stupid and play Kyle Shanagemen, you know what I'm saying, you you set up an opportunity to coast through the fourth quarter. So I always say the third quarter is the most important quarter. The Bengals are easily the best third quarter team in football throughout the entire year. There's no other team close to them when it comes to third quarter football, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And this team, the the swagger, the confidence, the the players that they got, Joe Burrow. I mean, Joe Burrow's phenomenal. Joe Burrow is everything Baker wish he was. Everything. I mean, top top to bottom, talent, cockiness, confidence, whatever it is, Joe Burrow is that dude. And everybody crapped on Cincinnati for taking Jamar Chase over uh, Sanu. I did. Yeah, you probably did. Yeah. And everybody was calling Jamar Chase a bust after the second game of the preseason. I did not. Look where Jamar Chase is at now. If you are a Cincinnati fan, you better thank God that they drafted Jamar Chase instead of Sanu. Because For Jamar sure. Chase, this play, one, this entire year, fantastic. But this playoff run, <laughs> man, something special. And, it, again, doesn't doesn't – Get you 10 catches, doesn't turn around and get you, you know, 155 yards every game. But when it comes down to it at the right time, again, that's the whole MO of this Cincinnati's playoff run. There's Jamar Chase making the plays that he needs to make. But you also got Boyd. You also got Higgins. You got Mixon. Their offensive line is trash. Their offensive line is trash. I mean, we can all admit that their offensive line is trash, except Again, for the right moments. And Joe Burrow, time and time again, against the Raiders, against the Titans, against the Kansas City Chiefs, made the correct plays at the right time. That Kansas City Chiefs drive where he goes down the field and puts them up, that is one of the best drives I've seen by a young quarterback in a long time. At, in a long, long time. I mean, he, he's, he's making the correct passes. He's running the ball correctly. I mean, that was one of the finest drives. I wish that drive would have got capped off for, for a touchdown. That was the only downside of that drive, but that drive was beautifully orchestrated by Joe Burrow. Okay, but at the same time, you we, we all can honestly say, anybody that watched that game, we can all honestly say that Cincinnati should not have won that game. No. Which right. contributes into the fact that that Kansas City beat themselves. First of all, the play right before halftime. What were you doing, Andy Reid? What were you doing? That was a bad play call. I can understand you going for it. I'm the type of person I would just go for the field goal because I like to play it safe at times. But if you're going to go for it, you could have at least called a better play than that. And then, number two, adjustments. Cincinnati went into the half. They came out. They made adjustments on how to slow down Patrick Mahomes, basically doing the same thing that a lot of other teams were doing in the early part of the season when Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs offense was struggling. Instead, they took it a step further by only rushing three. Now, where were your adjustments, Kansas City? Mm -hmm. Andy Reid, where was the adjustment? I basically felt like I was watching a Cleveland Browns game. No adjustments Mm -hmm. at all. Where was the run game? Did you even try and throw screens? No, you were always going for the long ball. Well, at some point, you got to make the short passes. You got to make the intermediate passes. You got all this speed on the field. 
will allow these guys to try and break tackles, allow them to try and outrun the guys on defense. That defense is not faster than your offense. So they was on that one yard play. Exactly. But I mean, you got to give your your guys opportunity opportunities to make plays. It's why you have Tyreek Hill? I mean, it's why he's your number one target. And like there, it, there's got to be some kind of scheme or something or some kind of play that you have in that playbook where you can utilize him in a, a different aspect instead of him having you know a twenty yard route down the field. I'm just saying, like I, Cincinnati, they yes, they beat Kansas City, but. Kansas City beat themselves. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then the the Titans game, the Titans beat themselves. I will give Kansas City credit though. That play where Tannehill threw that interception on that screen pass. Are oh, you talking about the Titans? Yeah. Okay. That play where Tannehill threw that uh, interception on that that wide receiver screen. Yeah, yeah. Number one, bad play call. Number two, excellent play mm-hmm. by Cincinnati's defensive back. He read that all the way, and he just made a a really good play. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I I said it from the beginning uh, of the year with, with Tennessee. I was like, if you got to rely on Ryan Tannehill, it's going to shoot you right in the foot. It's going to shoot you right in the foot one of these days <laughs> and everything like that. And it and it worked because, what, Henry, that was Derrick Henry's first game back. Yeah. I mean, he had, a, he had a productive game. He scored a touchdown, whatever it may be, but he wasn't the Derrick Henry no. uh, throughout that entire game. Um, and I felt like they played it safe, too, with the play calling. Yeah, they, they did. Played a, you, you can't do that. You can't no. do that. You got to do what got you there. Yeah, yeah. That, what got them there was was the running game. No, a lot. I'm saying uh, relying on Tannehill, or I mean, playing it safe with the play calling on yeah. offense. The, the way that they called a game again, I felt like I was watching a Browns game. It looked like you didn't trust your quarterback. Right. I mean, right. you paid him all this money because you basically said that this is our franchise quarterback. Okay, so allow your guy to make plays. Don't take the ball out of his hands. You know. I mean, hey. Dude, what got you there? I say I feel some sort of way about using the Browns as an insult to other teams. It's the truth. I feel like man. I'm watching a Browns game. It's, I mean, it's the he's truth. not wrong. I didn't say it was wrong. I'm just saying. <laughs> and this is coming from a Browns fan. Like, like I mean, but we've seen it time and time again with our team. Yeah. And to see them do the same things that, you know, like, y'all made it this far. Honestly, we should be in the Super Bowl. And that's why, like, I'm pissed off. But, I mean – we can't fault Cincinnati because the Browns didn't take care of their business. So yeah. I mean, we beat this team twice. Yeah, right. we beat them twice, and here they are sitting in the Super Bowl. Honestly, what four times us. in a row? That's uh, yeah, Joe Burrow has not beaten us exactly. So I mean, this, I mean, it's typical Cleveland. Yeah, it's typical Cleveland the team that you beat or dominate. They go on and have a chance to win a championship, and then we're just sitting there like, oh, okay, I guess you know. It's just, but that's typical Cleveland. We beat the good teams. Yeah, and then. Don't Suck pay any attention to, to the bottom half of the league, whether we're yeah. talking baseball or, or football. It just doesn't matter. Or even basketball that's to been, an extent. Yeah, but that's been tradition in Cleveland. It's yeah. one of the most frustrating things we've dealt with. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's look, Cincinnati, they they, they, they made the right plays. They, they yeah. made the right decisions, um, even down to, to the head coach, even down to the head coach. I think he's done an ex- absolutely phenomenal job with that team. Uh, if you ask me, he, he will actually be my coach of the year. Um, yeah, hands down. I hope they do that. Do well, they? no, they, they gave it to Vrabel. They did? They gave it to Vrabel. Oh, so, Vrabel gets that. it, 
but Zach Taylor should have got it. I mean, again, 4-11-1. They were at the bottom of the AFC North. They come back this year, 10-7. and They really would probably have been 11-6 if they don't lose against us to the final game of the year. The, the Cincinnati team is, is, is phenomenal to me. They're, they're intriguing because a lot of these teams that go to Super Bowl is like, okay, they got this, they're, they're good-looking in this category or they're dominating in this category or whatever it may be. It's like, no, Cincinnati is just that grit team, just hardworking. You know, we get knocked down, but we're going to get back up and we're going to be stronger when we get back up. They make the right adjustments, and they have a bunch of guys on that team that, like, really I genuinely like. Like you know, like Chase, Higgins, Boy, uh, Hilton, um, um, Eli Apple. You know, some people crap on Eli Apple. I like Eli Apple. Uh, you got Bates. You got uh, Hendricks. You got you got all these guys. You got uh, CJ U, uh, Uzima. You know, Uzama. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, they got a bunch of guys, like, not just on the field, but off the field. That you just be like, yo, I like these dudes. Like, these dudes are just cool as hell. Like, I would, like, love to, like, just be in the locker room with these guys and kick it with them and stuff like that. Like, this team has a very likable team. Like, that, that's that's why I'm conflicted because I'm, like, on one end, it's like, it's Cincinnati. I don't like Cincinnati. One, they're Kentuckians, not Ohioans. You know, I, I don't care. Their airport is in Kentucky. Come on. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, but on the other end, you got a team that is so likable. It's just so likable. It's kind of hard to root against them because I love the underdog. I love the teams that sit back and nobody gives them a chance. Outside of the, the few drunk fans that they had down there, like, oh, we got a football. Like, outside of that, like, nobody gave this team a chance. And time and time again, against the Raiders, against the Titans, against the Chiefs, they have proven everybody wrong. They've proven everybody wrong. This is a hardworking, great team, and I love teams like this. There's a piece of trivia that I did not – I would not have guessed this weekend that Joe Burrow has the chance to be the first quarterback to win a national championship in college, Heisman mm-hmm. Trophy, and a Super Bowl. Yep. yep. First, Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that. All the great quarterbacks that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because what? Peyton Pey Manning didn't win a national championship or a Heisman. Nope. Brady, Brady. – obviously Brady, Brady didn't. No, nope. right. Um – Montana didn't win a Heisman. No. Did he even win a national championship? I believe he did. I think he was the first one to do it. Was he won a national, national championship, championship in the Super Bowl? Yeah. He might have been. I mean, I know he was with Notre Dame, but I don't remember those Notre Dame teams being particularly great at uh, the time. That was around the time where they had that rivalry against Miami. Am I right? No. no. My, my, Montana played in Notre Dame in the 70s. Okay. Like late 70s. And Miami took my, off my, in the 80s. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, because Joe Montana was already a, a legend in the 80s at that point. In, in, so, at maybe the it NFL was a Montana. Um, I mean, yeah, Joe Burrow was interesting, and, and nobody gave him a chance. And that's another reason why I like Joe Burrow, too, because nobody really gave him a chance early on. And even when he gets comes out and gets drafted, yes, we know he's the best player, but then a lot of people say, well, he only had one year to start. Is he really going to? No, Joe Burrow is the truth. Mm-hmm. He's, he's the truth. He's he the leader. Everybody follows him and everything like that. That's why I said Baker wishes he was him Yeah. in all categories. Well, to be honest with you, and it upsets me, but I don't fault fans for feeling this way. But a lot of the supposed Cleveland Browns fans, or they call themselves Cleveland Browns fans, you see a lot of them rooting for the Bengals. And me, like – I'm not the type to do that. Like, I feel like they're a division rival. Mm-hmm. And I don't fault them because the Bengals are what we wish the Browns were. Yeah. And 
if you think about it, looking at uh, the Browns' history and the Bengals' history, they're kind of like the Bengals' us. history. Honestly, you we can call ourselves the villains. Mm-hmm. I mean, based off of what happened, what led to the Cincinnati Bengals becoming a team with Paul Brown yep. and Art Modell, like that history. I mean, technically, we are the villains in I mean, that situation. If you think about it, three three teams in the AFC North is responsible because of the Browns. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, us. Mm-hmm. The Browns, Ravens. Yeah. Browns, Cincinnati. Yeah. You know, then there's Pittsburgh. Uh, who? <laughs> who? Who? Who's who? That? Who? 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 <laughs> so, I mean, that that's 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 my thing. Like Paul Brown was so mad. Yeah. Yeah. So mad, he made him look just like us. But why you know, are we still paying for something that Art Modell did? Is what? Because it's Art Modell, dude. He's still haunting us. <laughs> Art Modell did a deal with the devil, and the deal with the devil wasn't him. It was the Cleveland Browns. So do we gotta change our team like the Guardians? We gotta change the name. Sure, it might come down to that. Yeah, who knows? Let's change the, the name of the team. All right, we got any suggestions? Um, let's see. I mean, clowns. No, no come on. Come on. This organization like has a, has a bunch of clowns in it. It wouldn't surprise me, dude. You know what? That would be pretty entertaining. Yeah, you know, yeah. get get the yellow and the green. So, yeah, the we red. have like the the white helmets with the jerseys yeah. and have polka dots everywhere. Right, like fight songs. Come on, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I mean, people aren't making enough fun of the Browns. Right? <laughs> right. I mean, look, yeah, do that too. Get on that fight song and everything. You know, you get rid of the dog and bring a clown collar out. If Madden was still good, I would create a team like that on there. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I mean, it would have been absolutely phenomenal. It would have been beautiful to watch. The the clowns deserve it. You know what I'm saying? So, I I, got clowns. I mean, I had my few options for before the, the Washington football team became the commanders. What were your options? One, red skin potatoes. No. Are you serious? Come on. Yeah, you keep the name Redskin, but now it doesn't offend anybody, so now you got the Redskin potatoes. Oh, my gosh. Honestly, I like Washington football team better. I mean, the commanders, now you now everybody's going to call them commies. So, oh everybody's already dang, calling them commies. Yeah. Dang. Let's go commies. <laughs> it's like, dang. I mean, the way Dan Snyder runs that organization, it is yeah, a communist uh, organization. You know what? We should talk about a little bit about that situation. You know what? The Washington football team is always Jobber of the Week on this show. And for the new listeners, Jobber of the Week is you just the biggest idiot known to man for the week. Uh, Dan Snyder and the Washington football team is always honorary Jobber of the Week because I swear to God, these people got something new every other day. And Dan Snyder is a piece of trash, and I will never forgive him for how he treated Sean Taylor this year as a PR stunt. Doesn't go over the top wearing crappy hoodies and shorts around his family. Does not care. Screw Dan Snyder. The the absolute worst. Sick bastard. I want to say the other word, yeah. but I can't. Yeah, yeah. Dan Snyder sucks. He can go rot in a very special place. Um, he will always suck. That stadium is falling apart. Um, and I hope he does not get a new stadium. I just hope more sewage don't fall on people. But he, I he, hope he doesn't get a new stadium. He may end up losing that football team. Good. Good. And we but, may have two black owners coming into the NFL. Yeah, okay. There's we'll the one with the Denver Broncos. Yeah. Who they, I can't remember his name for the life of me. But I saw that he was kind of Roger Goodell and it was somebody else that basically kind of nudged him into, like, 
looking out for the opportunity, and this was like back in 2019. Yeah. Where and they were referring to the Broncos at the time. Yeah, because I mean, uh, Pat Bowling had, I think he passed away in 2019. Yeah. So I mean, you know, the Broncos have been without ownership in a while, but yeah. you know, y'all remember when Diddy tried to uh, try to buy the Carolina Panthers? Yeah, I remember that. And same and with they, Steph they, Curry. Yeah, and they and they blocked both of them. You know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. it's. It's a, it's a it's a good boys club in the NFL and it's it's being proven because changes are coming. Changes are coming. I think it is, but it's a good boys club right now. They're protecting Dan Schneider and they're protecting a lot of emails behind that. A lot. Six hundred and fifty thousand emails. I, I I've always said this. I don't condone what John Gruden said and what he did at all. Mm-hmm. Not even one bit. It was egregious. It was atrocious. Mm-hmm. But he's the only emails that gets leaked. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I think it was complete sabotage. Yeah, something to that. Yeah, it's, it's definitely something to that. Now, the one thing I say he he wasn't wrong about this point, but way he said it was completely wrong was the fact that Goodell was pushing teams to get Michael Sam drafted. That I believe the mm-hmm. problem was is that he said it completely wrong and started throwing f bombs left and right. Mm-hmm. That was where I was like, okay, you had your point, and then you crossed the line. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So. You know, it's it's a lot of mess going on with the NFL right now. It's going to be a lot of mess going on. And thank goodness we got the Super Bowl to distract us from this mess. Yeah. But between the Flores the, the Flores stuff and, and the, the, the emails and all this other stuff that's going around on the NFL right now, it is going to be a crazy, crazy offseason for sure. Oh, yeah. Can't yeah. wait for it at all. And I hope some justice does happen uh, regardless. You know, the John Gruden hearing is um, for the uh, – the the case rather they're gonna throw the case out in Las Vegas that is happening later on this month as well. Okay. So we got to keep our eye on that for sure. So when we come back, we're gonna talk about forgotten moments in the Super Bowl. Reason why they're forgotten, we don't know. What? You know. So we'll we'll talk about forgotten moments right here on North Coast Underground. This is technically it is real. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered a career in radio or television? Then look no further. Call the Ohio Media School today. The Ohio Media School. We have seven campuses to choose from, and it's a hands-on course that is taught by broadcast professionals who work in the field. This includes 160 externship and internship hours at area radio and TV stations. We have job placement assistance right here on campus, and you get a diploma when you graduate. For more information, call 216-503-5900 or beonair.com. That's B-E-O-N-A-I-R dot com. Ohio Media School, where broadcasting careers begin. All right, Flex, so I got a question going back to something you brought up earlier. Mm -hmm. You said you can't root against another AFC North team, Mm -hmm. correct? Mm -hmm. See, I disagree with that. I'm rooting for Cincinnati because it's, I mean, first of all, it's an Ohio team. And it's an AFC North team. Yeah, it's, I know, quote-unquote Ohio team, Kentucky team, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's an AFC North team. So I, I, I do stick loyal to my uh, conference or division or whatever you want to say if we're talking college. Or, so I just want to hear your thoughts a bit about why you won't root for, for a you know, division rival. Oh, for me, like, because I root for the Browns. Like, 
I can't see but myself. But Browns aren't an option. They're not an option. So I'd rather the meteor hit the earth and just completely wipe out the stadium and <laughs> the Super Bowl get canceled. <laughs> All right. An extreme alternative, but okay. <laughs> Highly extreme. <laughs> but no, like, I just can't see myself rooting for a team that we've beaten four times in a row. I can't see myself rooting for a team that stole our team. And I definitely can't see myself rooting for a team that had the dirtiest team on the field, like Colt McCoy, Muhammad Masakoy. Anybody remember that stuff? Oh, yeah, I remember that Colt McCoy. It was a lot. Actually, multiple times, too. If you pull up, like, dirtiest plays in NFL history, like, you will see that team on there, like, probably 75% sure, you, of the you, time. You, you also see the Antonio Brown kick to Spencer Lannett, too. Yeah, so. yeah, You yeah, might yeah. also see Miles Garrett hit a guy with his helmet. You know what? You know what? That, that was, was I, I know, justified. but I'm just saying. That was justified. Okay, but was <laughs> it justified because he was wearing the right uniform? No, it was All right. justified. No, some, but some, I'm just saying, some oftentimes, um, our bias and our uh, willingness to defend is based on the uniform that they wear. So, don't get me wrong. What he did was wrong, and at the time when I saw it, I threw my hands up in the air and I said, "What are you doing?" But then, after when you all hear the what facts happened, started coming out. Right. I was like, "Okay, I can understand why you lost your cool at that." Mm-hmm. Moment. I can understand, but that's not where I and, was. And, and going that's with. and that's the thing too, because of the simple fact that. All of a sudden, now the NFL don't have audio of it. And it's like, exactly. y'all be having right. audio of everything. Even exactly. players that are not mic'd up, y'all have audio of that. So I'm like, Because mm-hmm. the center is mic'd up in every game, am I right? No. No? No, they, they have oh, their no, like, I mean, like every, uh, what, Monday night football game, Thursday night game? Well, Thursday night the game, the national games. Yeah, the, yeah. National the national games. game is usually like like the star player, maybe the quarterback or whatever it may be. But like like I say, if y'all go on YouTube and, and look up, like, you know, the NFL sound bites and stuff like that, mm-hmm. there are moments where, like, they're they're close to a player that's mic'd up or just on the field, and, and those mics pick up that audio. They pick up stuff. everything. Right. They pick up everything. We're not in disagreement about that. I just brought that up for the case of devil's advocacy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really talking about who we're rooting for when our team is out of it. See, where I grew up, I grew up in Stark County, where where high school football reigns supreme. Um, I don't know of another area, definitely Ohio, that competes with Stark County as far as intensity with high school football. You got Maslin and McKinley and, mm-hmm. and those types of teams. But there is an unwritten rule in Stark County. When your team is out of it, you root for Stark County. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even if you're a Maslin fan, you root for McKinley and vice versa if your team is out of it. You root for them because you want your league, or in this case your geographic region, to be the best. If Cincinnati wins, then we can claim that the AFC North is the best this year. I know. But if then we get the pride of saying that our team plays in the best league. I am so tired of people claiming that the SEC is so great, um, so I cannot root against a Big Ten team if they're in the championship. Mm -hmm. I want Big Ten to win because I'm an Ohio State fan. You know, even if it's Ichigan... Because, you know, you can't say the M. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to root for them against an SEC team because I'm just tired, sick and tired of hearing it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I would rather say that my team is part of it. And I would also rather see, for instance, if my team lost to one other team and then went on to win the championship, then I can take a little bit of comf- comfort in knowing that my team was close. You know, it was close. Whereas if... Um, like this, I mean, ironically, this kind of contradicts what I'm saying. The fact that we beat Cincinnati this year, 
you know, and they have a chance to play for the championship. But still, to me, that's that's a home team because it's an Ohio team as opposed to, and I know you have ties there, a California team. I can't root for a California team. I'm sorry. I just I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I'd like to see OBJ get something, and, and uh, I'd like to see Bosa get something, but I still no, can't. Bosa's not playing. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Bosa's with the 49ers. Okay. Yeah, and then on the Bosa brothers with the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I still can't root for a California California team. So, yeah, I'm going to root for my division or my geographic area, whatever I consider, whatever my team is part of. Mm-hmm. Like, my, my team that I root for when, when the Browns are out is Buffalo. Yeah. They're, they're like, I can see they're, they're, yeah. Their fan base is the same. We share the same lake. I mean, those guys are, are just lovable and everything. And they treat us with some dignity and respect. Yeah. And I, I do remember, like, when we was making our run in the playoffs last year, a lot of Buffalo Bills They're fans rooting were rooting for us. Now, you had that one fan that was like, okay, Chiefs, we'll see you next week. You know, didn't give it. But, like, a lot of Buffalo Bills fans were, like, not happy that we were not playing them because right. they, they wanted to be like, okay, yeah, let's go. Okay, we'll see you all there. You know, and it's going to be fun. But, you know, and, and one, my, my dream goal as a football fan, is to go to a Buffalo Bills tailgating party. Mm. I would love to go. One, seeing a bunch of people smash each other through tables. You got a guy there that drinks expired milk from the 1990s. Mm-hmm. Oh. True story. He keeps it in the back of his trunk during every game and drinks a little bit of Why? it every single time. <laughs> There's also a guy that lets everybody spray ketchup and mustard on him. So he has two hot dogs in his hand, and he tells everybody just spray as much and, ketchup and, and mustard on these him. these are the people that you like because they're like us. Yes, they're okay. rowdy. Have I you been like to, to a tailgate? Like <laughs> Have you been to a tailgate party here in Cleveland? We're loud, rowdy, and drunk. Okay, and I'm fine with that, but Buffalo. I don't want to claim that. I don't want to be proud of that fact. I, I, I've always, I've always said this. Like, like, I've always said this, and this is going to bring a personal note, but it's going to all tie in together. Like, y'all know how I am here at this school and everything. I'm loud and eccentric and everything like that. Mm-hmm. When you meet my father. My father is me times three. Okay, so that should tell you everything you should know about my father. That is the Buffalo Bills and the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns is me, and then the Buffalo Bills is my father. It's everything times three. So when he throws headphones, they break. Yes. Okay. Um. When when he when he gets to joking, he gets he's a bigger goofball to me. Everything like my personality and and his personality kind of matches low key, uh-huh. and and that's the thing about Buffalo and Cleveland. Like our personalities match so well, but we're not out here throwing ourselves through tables or throwing sexual objects onto the field or even having sex in the in the parking lot sometimes. Um. Uh, but like that we know of. That we yeah, know exactly. of, right? We don't know. <laughs> we don't know, but like, but like, that's the thing about Buffalo. Like, that's why I was like, yo, I would love to go to a tailgate in Buffalo and just go crazy and get drunk with them and everything like that. <laughs> Preferably when they're not playing for the Browns, playing against the Browns, so I can go actually root for them. But I would love to go. Buffalo fans, they gave OJ Simpson a standing ovation earlier this year. <laughs> like, they're phenomenal. I love those guys. I mean, those those, those fans loyal. are absolutely amazing, you know. And um. I would sit back and say this, like, one, my, my college football team don't belong to a conference. I'm a Notre Dame fan, like, through and through and everything. The gold domes, the navy jerseys, I mean, Rudy. Um, you know, th- those are <laughs> Everybody like, likes Rudy. Everybody likes Rudy. I mean, those are the things that, that made me a Notre Dame fan. I am not an Ohio State fan. I, I think Ohio State fans are a bunch of arrogant, cocky SOBs, even though we're also Browns fans, so you have no right to be arrogant, cocky SOBs because – we lose all the time, but then because we lose all the time, y'all got to go find a team that can win so y'all can have some type of, you know, goodness in your life. You know, you, you know what I'm saying? So even though I hate the team up north, 
I cannot stand them with a burning passion. I was so glad that they finally beat them because I'm like, thank God, shut them up for once in your lives, please. <laughs> I feel like now, like to assume that Ohio State fans are Browns fans, I feel like that may not be the case. Like I'm seeing a lot of people rooting for Cincinnati. Like, is it because people are I just mean, switching off? Like I saw a picture on Twitter uh, the other day where where the guy took a picture of the Browns helmet and then put and drew black stripes on it. Oh it was like, yeah, I'm a Bengals fan. I'm like, oh my god, Dude. you know what I'm saying? So it's like everybody here in Cleveland or just in general are just buying, you know, Cincinnati stuff. I'm seeing Cincinnati oh, stuff all sick. over the place now, and I'm like. What is going on? See, this is exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, now I'm not switching loyalties from the Browns to since, but for this occasion, and I do the same thing in baseball with one exception. I'll root for the American League Mm -hmm. in the uh, World Series, unless it's Boston, then I hope they lose. But that's just because it's (laughs) So even the Yankees? Yeah, I'll root for the Yankees. Wow. I like the Yankees. I, I like the Yankees organization. I think they have class to the organization. Uh, I think they have um, standards that most other teams don't have. The players have to uh, or should be following. Mm. Um, cheated. Everybody's Everybody cheated. cheated. We didn't. That's why we even go to the world. Well, that's why we haven't won anything. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah. yeah, I will root for the Yankees. Absolutely. Boston cheated. The Dodgers cheated. Houston cheated. Oh, we know about Yankees Houston. Yankees cheated. Really? Houston don't, cheated? Oh, Houston. <laughs> don't get me started on Houston cheating. <laughs> Shut up, Andy. Don't. Oh, don't <laughs> not. Is that do. a basketball team? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not answering that one. I promise. <laughs> like, but that's like, don't get me started because Houston got a little slap on the wrist. It's like, oh, it's absolutely. like, it's like when the kid, you know, goes around and punches every kid in the face. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's just like, and then the parent sees it and the parent goes, don't do that, Billy. And then walks away. And I'm like, wait, you're not going to do nothing about this? Like, I'm sorry, but their world title should have been stripped from them. I agree. It should have been stripped from them. I mean, it's disgusting. We talked in one of our recent shows about the um, no more testing for for steroids. Mm -hmm. And yet Pete Rose is not in the Hall of Fame. I mean, as much... Barry breaking, not in the Hall of Fame. But as much rule breaking as is going on and getting by and passing by, and yet... Arguably one of the greatest players ever mm-hmm. to step on the diamond is still mm-hmm. not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's a shame. I think the only way he gets into the Hall of Fame now is getting rid of Rob Manfred at this point. Yeah. I hope so, That's because my saying. fear, to be honest with you, is it's going to be after Pete Rose passes away, they're finally going to do it posthumously. Yeah. 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 That's what I think is going to happen unless somebody comes in uh, after Manfred mm-hmm. with some kahunas to get it done. It has to yeah. be common sense. Right. Because that's what's lacking right now. Acknowledge that the man is probably the greatest hitter to ever play. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, Pete, yeah, Pete Rose is the GOAT of baseball. And no I kidding. I don't think nobody no, no can argument. deny that. You know what I'm saying? It's, that's like having Wayne Gretzky not in the NHL Hall of Fame or right. Jordan not in the NBA Hall of Fame. You know, it's just – Exactly. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous, you know, and, and, and the MLB – but also get it, like the MLB had the gambling issue. If you remember the 1919 World Series, if you guys did your research on that, yeah. and it's the same way, like yep. shoe, shoeless Joe Jackson was Pete Rose before Pete Rose was. absolutely and was shoeless is still not in the Hall of Fame, right? Still. And no one from that team is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I did a whole research paper on that team, and now we can bet on games, right? I know that's mm-hmm. crazy. Aren't that's they setting crazy. up stuff at the stadiums. Yeah, yeah. And but, I mean, how do you Pete not Rose, expect a player? But Pete Rose isn't in the Hall of Fame, right? 
Well, and yes. like just like you were saying, they they had the issue then with gambling. Mm-hmm. They have the issue now with uh, the steroids. Yeah. But all they do now is change the rules or put an mm-hmm. asterisk next to their yeah. name in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And Pete Rose is still not in. Yeah, yeah. I think it's ridiculous. Shoeless Joe is still not, not in. in. Mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah. yeah, it's absolutely it's dumb. It's dumb if you ask me. Um, so put him in. Put him in. With me and uh, the teams that I root for, like I just stick with my teams, and then afterwards, if they're not in it, then I'll like root for certain players that I like. Um, but like, there's just a for me, it's just like a certain, I guess you can say pride. It's like you know, how was it? For example, this season, like we've beaten Cincinnati four times in a row in the last two seasons, but yet and still, we're not in the Super Bowl. We have a better assembled roster, at the, or we had a better assembled roster at the beginning of the season. Um, there was just a lot of stupidity that was going on during the season, and we just, you know, we should be playing against the Rams. Like, that should be us. And for me, it makes me mad to see another team in our division that we have dominated over the last, what, three seasons mm-hmm. to be in the Super Bowl where we should be. Um, same thing with uh, baseball. Like, I'm not a White Sox fan. I do not like the White Sox. The, the White Sox make me sick. I'm a Cleveland Guardians fan now, previously Cleveland Indians fan. But for me to see, like, another team in our division, like when the White Sox won the World Series, I'm, I'm sitting there like, what? Yeah, like 2006. Really? Yeah, like, I'm like, really? Like, we're better than them. Like, how is it? I just... I just can't really root for, like, another team. And if I do see another team playing against the team that I do not like, well, then I will root for that team. In this case this year, it's not that it's not that I'm rooting for the Rams necessarily. Like, I just am a fan of a lot of players on the Rams. I'm a big fan of Aaron Donald. I'm a big fan of Odell Beckham. A lot of Browns fans don't like him and think that, you know, he forced his way out, yada, 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 et cetera. I mean, you can have a segment about that all in itself. It's just a lot of he said, she said with that situation. But I'm an Odell fan. I feel like he came to our organization despite the fact he didn't want to be here. But, I mean, he was an excellent teammate in the locker room. It was a lot of fans saying that he was a cancer and that he killed this team. That's not the case. Um, he was a great teammate. He played through injury. Yes, he did have injury issues, but he played his butt off. You know, yeah, he put his all. Bigger. <laughs> <sighs> I'm just saying. Anyways, um, yeah, he played through injury. He just said Baker. I can't. You know, you know, you know, you know the great. I feel it building up this, right this now. Is, this is why he's the great white white. I, I was going to it earlier when you said, who were you talking about earlier? You said he had balls for playing through his injuries. Uh, who are we talking about? Uh, who were we talking about? I forgot. I forgot too, but I thought about bringing it up then, but I didn't. I figured it'd probably be another chance. Oh, man. Uh, anyways. Um, oh, was it uh, uh, Ladanian? Yeah, no, Philip no, Rivers. Philip Rivers, Phillip Rivers yeah. that's it. Yeah, so I'm sorry, but you played through a torn ACL that you had surgery. That's you had surgery on it five days prior to that game. When had surgery, and not only that, but had a good game for it. For I mean, was running around, moving around, stuff like that. I mean, no Baker Mayfield. Oh, I gotta show I'm tough. (laughs) Oh, I gotta put myself out there. See, I'm at home with Baker Mayfield. Uh, I got the torn labor. (laughs) 
baller. No, I'm no, a baller. no, nobody cares if I'm hurt or not. So I, Rivers I, has balls and Baker's an idiot. Dude, Rivers, uh, R- Rivers because Rivers actually playing. Like you, like you just said, Rivers coming off of that surgery with the torn ACL, like a week prior to playing that game, and still having a productive game compared to Baker Mayfield and what he did to this team, like. Come on, like that's right. And then like injuries don't, and like a torn labrum does not show the fact that Baker Mayfield can't even throw off of his back foot. Yeah, like he does not get his feet set and he rolls off of it, and it's just his. It has nothing to do with that. Like your your footwork has nothing to do with your shoulder. It just abuses me to get flex going. That's yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I was the same way with Hugh Jackson. You know. Yeah. I was was gonna mention that next. Who who told y'all to bring that? You know what? I'm about to ban that man. I'm about to ban his name off of this show. Y'all got to remember this is my show. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna ban that name in a few minutes. You know, y'all keep keep playing with me. Keep playing with me. See what see what's gonna happen around here. Keep playing with me. <laughs> but, yeah, that's just – and then I'm a big Matthew Stafford fan as well, so. Yeah, I, I, I like, between both of these guys, I, I hope one of these guys get their ring because, you know what, like, again, I'm, I'm, I'm in Eugene's boat, you know, with the whole room against uh, – room for teams in the division. The only reason why I'm conflicted is just because it's in fact that I like this Cincinnati team a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, they just got, like, this special place in my heart right now, just the hard work and the grit and the personalities of that team. And just like the the perseverance and overcoming everything that was in a way that nobody gave him a chance, that's that's why I'm conflicted. If it was if this team was like a Kansas City Chiefs team and stuff like that, I'd be like, no, screw them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But this team is just different. They're literally what we thought we, we had. were gonna be. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think that's probably part of the reason why is because we thought we was gonna be like that. Well, I'm and, conflicted as well because. Similar to what you're saying, I want Stafford to – the part of me wants Stafford to win. Mm-hmm. want OBJ to win. I get that. But um, I'm going to – Von Miller. I think – no, Von Miller already got his ring. I think what it means is just at the end of the day, it'll, if it's a good game, I'll be happy. Yeah, I'll be happy too. And we're going to talk about the Rams on the next segment. We're going to break that down and everything like that. This is Technically It Is Real here on North Coast Underground. We will be right back. As an 18-year-old, I let my mistakes kind of take over my life. I was 0.5 credits away from completing high school, and I didn't do it. Ten years later, at age 28, Jackie finished her high school diploma. When I found out that I was pregnant, I know that I had to do something for myself if I wanted to make her a better person and provide a better life for her. My family never stopped pushing for me to be better because they knew what I could become and who I could become as a person. My support team is amazing. The educational director, my sister, and even my seven-year-old daughter, she's been more than the support that I could ask for. I've been given an opportunity, and I'm just thankful for it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Technically It Is Real. So let's talk about the Rams' journey to the Super Bowl, baby. What you think about that and everything like that? I predicted that the Rams were going to go to the Super Bowl earlier this season. Actually, on your podcast. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Y'all can go back and listen to that on Spotify, by the way. Yes, cheap product plug. So um, I I will sit back and say this. I said it on this show when nobody was listening. Uh, (laughs) I said it on this show. After the the Rams-San Francisco 49ers game, the first one, where San Francisco walked into that game 3-5, and five, it was Odell Beckham's first um, – it was his first 
game with the Rams. I think that was oh, that was his first game. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember sitting back and saying that Matthew Stafford was a good quarterback. It's an excellent quarterback. But Matthew Stafford would not lead the team to the Super Bowl. And because they traded him for that, it's going to be a bad trade. Boy, was I wrong. That's a slap upside the head for me because Matthew Stafford, this entire playoff run, had shut everybody up. And he has proven that the Detroit Lions just absolutely suck. They just suck. They did nothing to help build around him and Calvin Johnson. And give Stafford credit. Down, I mean, actually not down, tied. 27 apiece after giving up a 27 to 3 lead. If it's 28 to 3, Brady would have won that game. Um, 27 to 3 lead, and within a matter of 30 seconds, drives the team down the field. Thanks in large part to Cooper Cup, drives the team down the field and sets him up for the game winning field goal. Stafford, right then and there, shut me up. And I was like, okay, no, he clutched. He's just clutched. Like, I've seen him in clutch moments before because I remember the. Um, no, everybody, when, when they talk about Matthew Stafford and his clutch moments, they bring up the Dallas Cowboy game from years ago where he did the fake spike, but he actually ran it in, uh, jumped over the top and got it into the end zone. The one that I remember the most was his rookie year against the Cleveland Browns, his game that nobody watched. It was the greatest shootout between Matthew Stafford and then a quarterback that is now in the booth and working with Notre Dame. And I think, do you remember what game I'm talking about? Detroit Lions, Cleveland Browns, Brady Quinn versus Matthew Stafford shootout. Is game. that where uh, Matthew Stafford got hurt? <laughs> yeah, where he where he broke his collarbone. Yeah, okay. and got back into the game and, and threw the touchdown. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember. Mm-hmm. So I mean that that was one of my first moments of okay, Matthew Stafford might be a little clutch, but no, that this whole Matthew Stafford thing is a different breed and definitely showed heart playing hurt. Yeah, he did. He did, and I will sit back. Shut up, Andy. And I responded to that again. I, I just fell right into that <laughs> trap. Right into that. You just again. that just totally went right over your head. It did. It did. You know what, Andy? This is why me and you friends, because you can always get me at the right time. This is why he is the great white. The white. great white, white, right? <laughs> so I mean, look, the Rams twelve and five, first in the NFC West. They dominated the Cardinals. That was no surprise to me. 34-11 in the wild card round, beat the Bucks thirty to twenty seven, and then overcame their personal demons against the San Francisco. 49ers 20 to 17 and they walked into that game uh 0-6 against them in the last six meetings so I mean this team overcame a lot and Stafford and Odell those two guys I mean they are starting to click and they're starting to click well and Odell is one of those guys where I mean we talked about it on the show before um that Odell is like if he gets into the right situation he'll he'll do just great and that's exactly what's going on they got a lot of weapons on that team. Yeah. Not just Odell as far as targets. I mean, yeah. they've got uh, Cup, Akers. Yeah. Um, who am Hig- I forgetting? Uh, Higby, who, who's Higby, questionable yeah. for the game. You yeah, know. So, so, I mean, it's not like Odell is the only target out there for him right. either. So. But Odell came at the right time because right. Odell gets signed. Robert Woods tells, tears his ACL in, in, in the playoff. I mean, not in the playoffs, in practice. And Odell fills that spot. And at first, everybody was clowning Odell because, oh, look, Odell had a bad game. I'm like, it's just one game. Yeah, he didn't even know the playbook. No, he didn't. He, just, <laughs> he was just out there running. They were you know. telling him what routes to run. Right. You're going to run this crossing route. Hey, you're going to run this post route. You know, go go run it. Go do something. They're please. like, see, see, the Browns are better without him. Yeah. It's like Baker had a good game. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> we're going to the Super Bowl. And then the rest is history. Listen, right. to these, <laughs> listen to these Browns fans here talking smack about the Browns. <laughs> no, we're allowed to. I mean, we. You lose for 23 years, 
23 years. I've been watching this team since I was five. All I know is losing football. Yeah, That's yeah. all I know. I mean, it, it got so bad where I didn't even want to watch other football games because they ruined football for me. <laughs> it's gotten that bad at moments. Uh, so, I'm, I'm for real. For real. Um, so, like, the, the thing I say about Odell, I'm glad that he's in a situation where he can thrive. I've always yeah, liked Odell. I thought he was the problem at first, too. I'm not going to lie. I was like, okay, maybe it is Baker or whatever it may be. But I also would sit back and say this about the whole Odell and Baker thing. What if it's just not both of their faults? What if it's just they just didn't click? No, that's not the case. They just – I'm sorry, but they – I mean, look, don't get me wrong. Baker sucked this year. Baker sucks in, in general, in my opinion. Um, but – it's just, it just didn't work. I mean, it, like I said, it was pressure. Pressure for Baker to get the ball to Odell. Pressure for Odell to get the ball. And pressure from Kevin Stefanski to get Odell the ball as well. It was just a lot of pressure and a lot of pressing. And when you do that, you tend to make mistakes or you tend not to perform as well. Think about it like this. You drive your car every day no matter what, right? It's nature. It's natural. Now, imagine when you start driving your car and you overthink everything. That's when you start going, oh, am I supposed to merge? I don't know. And then you get into an accident. <laughs> you know, that, that's that's how I see that. It's like you're doing something. Instead of doing it naturally, you're overthinking and you're pressing. You know what I hear? A whole lot of excuses. Oh, my God. And that's what a lot of Browns fans do to make themselves feel better because they see – that there are other organizations that are successful and competent, and then we look at our, our organization, and we're just consistently used to things being dumbed down, and we're just like, well, this is our team. We're going to root for them no matter what. Yeah. So let's just So now honest. you have a problem with loyalty? It's not even that. I think he does. It's not, Sounds like it's it. It's not even that. Just it's a smidge. It's the fact that we try to overlook – the issues instead of calling them out. So the thing is, let's just be honest, Baker isn't on Odell's level from a football IQ standpoint. And one thing that we have seen is that when you see a player do dumb things off the field, it translates to your IQ level on the field as well. So, for example, Jameis Winston Mr. Crab Legs, <laughs> Mr. Uber, <laughs> Baker Mayfield. You really thought you was going to get away from that police officer? <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Cheesecake Factory. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, y'all remember that? That 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 one was crazy to me. And then it was like everybody saw the Twitter picture and it was like, oh, she's hot. And then they saw her in the interview on the radio show and it was like, oh, we got catfish. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, dang, Baker, that's what you're doing behind the Cheesecake Factory. And I bet you was the one in Legacy Village, too. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, and honestly, like, when you get a chance, let me know. Like, give me the name of a player that you saw consistently doing stupid stuff off the field that was successful on the field. Especially QB. Especially QB? Mm. I'm trying to think. Yeah, a lot of the think. successful uh, uh, QBs. Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he makes a good point. <laughs> but at the same time, Ben Roethlisberger is uh, it's, overrated. It's, and Ben Roethlisberger is an excellent respecter of women. Yeah. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> he just went there, I mean, y'all. He, he is. He, he's, a, he's a respecter of women. He's the greatest respecter of all time. I mean, women feel protected around Ben, ben Roethlisberger in a 100-mile radius. I mean, just phenomenally protected. Great respecter <laughs> of women. Um, I mean, what? You got – I mean – 
he didn't have a lot of success on the field because of his off the field problems. But you can see if he would have got it together, he would have been just fine. Justin Blackman. Everybody forgets about Justin Blackman. He only played one season. He played like a uh, season and a half. And, <laughs> and I mean, but he put up the numbers to show you. And on the field, he showed you that he could ball out in the, at the NFL level. All right, that was a wide receiver. I said QB. No, you you said anybody I said specifically is, QB. No, you said especially QBs. Yes. Which means I can name anybody. No, I said it's, it's no, 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 exactly. no. I, it, it, when I said especially Eugene, QBs, Eugene, there's an emphasis on QBs. Just uh-huh. like the great white white. Yeah. There's an emphasis. Yeah. But <laughs> like, also, this is not. This is also not the flexing hour. This is technically it is real. No, I was Thank responding you. to you. So I am going to say whoever the hell, because I can, because I can. QB. So, QB, no, anybody. QB. Exactly. You anybody. can't come up no, with okay. one. I told you, Ben exactly. Roethlisberger, the respecter of women. He's overrated. But anyways. So Ben Roethlisberger not going into the Hall of Fame? That's not what I said. I said he's overrated. It's Ben Roethlisberger, oh, not a Hall of Fame quarterback. Look at, look at all the other quarterbacks that shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame but are. Like who? Bradshaw. Oh, yeah, that's true. Exactly. But yeah, anyways. Um, Baker just isn't that guy IQ-wise. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, how do you expect to win games if you're so reliant on your scheme? You have to be able to make in-game adjustments. Yeah. Not just from a coaching standpoint, but from a player standpoint. Mm-hmm. Your wide receiver, man-to-man press. So what does he do? Okay, you and your quarterback are supposed to be on the same page. That's where the disconnect was, was because Odell was able to make that adjustment. He sees that man-to-man press. Safety's coming down for a blitz. So he's like, you know what? I can outrun this guy. Instead of doing whatever the play was, he ran a different route. Quick slam maybe. Maybe it was a deep vertical route. But then you got Baker who's not making that adjustment. Not only can he not see the field, but he is incapable of making that mental adjustment. That's why that relationship with Michael Thomas and Drew Brees was so special because they were always on the same page. Mm-hmm. Like that that IQ level, it, it's just, it makes a difference. Like, Matthew and it's, Stafford yeah, is another one. Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Odell, even Matthew Stafford, Calvin Johnson, Matthew Stafford, Golden Tate. Um, and hold on one, one sec, one quick point. The player that has actually ran the most incorrect routes this year, can you name him? Uh, Odell. Cooper Cup. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. He makes adjustments mid-route. Mid, mid exactly. And that is for all the Browns fans that are saying, oh, Odell's always running the wrong route. No, it's just that our QB is not capable of being on that level. Yeah. I'll tell you another person who made bad off-field decisions but is an excellent quarterback. Who's that? The great respecter of women, Deshaun Watson. Oh gosh! <laughs> Didn't you say allegedly? Allegedly, yes, yeah, Alle- exactly. allegedly. <laughs> we 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 should not be getting sued by Deshaun Watson, his representatives, or the National Football League. Thank you very much. Um, just to throw that little disclaimer out, but yes, the great respecter of women, Deshaun Watson, of course, of course. You know what I'm saying? And and look. Patrick Mahomes ain't got a lot of off the field antics, but man, his career could get messed up with those other two. You know what other two I'm talking about? Yeah. The the TikTok gods himself, Jackson Mahomes and his wife Brittany. <laughs> 
Just look up videos of it, Andy. You'll see what we're talking about. <laughs> and Mahomes looks like he's just like stuck in a prison cell, but he can't get out. And you remember that that one video where they're doing that crappy dance with their hands and stuff like that? And and Patrick Mahomes is just sitting there like this, like get that camera off my face. <laughs> What's wrong with y'all? What's wrong with y'all? Like, I, I mean, I mean, I, I sit back and, and and say this as well, because um, Odell done a lot of stupid stuff too. Off the field, like he has, like come on now, who goes, who goes? Throw Besides a, the boat trip, what else has he done that was like? Well, which, which you had the the boat trip. I mean, well, he had a, a couple of parties, right? Not that I'm aware of. And he kept it kind of hush up, but the boat thing was the most stupidest thing you he could do. He had the TikTok video where a lot of people were saying that he had, you know, the white stuff there. Yeah, he yeah, had that. But the the again, hot tub thing, again, no, that was, that was the hot tub thing. That's you though. That's you though. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you. <laughs> I mean, that was suspect, but yeah. <laughs> hey, look, you you got some grown men well, singing, singing sexual healing, <laughs> and Odell come out of the water. <laughs> you know, what I'm, saying? I'm just saying, not judging, but just saying that that was that that was highly suspect. And I was like, wait, what what is going on in that hot tub? <laughs> and I mean. At the same time, like, was that really that bad? No, it wasn't. It, it wasn't. It's just, uh, it's just some crazy <laughs> stuff to talk about. <laughs> I mean, okay, Antonio Brown. Now we got a whole list. Ooh. We got no. Forget a whole list. We can make a book off of that. <laughs> but outside of him quitting on the field, mm-hmm. Antonio Brown Hall of Fame talent. Yeah, he'll sure. never be in the Hall of Fame because of his antics. Mm-hmm. But the throwing the furniture out the window, almost killing somebody, the great respecter of women he is in, in his own rights, you know what I'm saying? The Oakland Raiders incident. Um, that whole Oakland Raiders run was ridiculous. Oh, my God, that was ridiculous <laughs> from top to bottom. So um, you, you got that. You got um, him not paying people left and right, the fake vaccination cards. But you can't tell me Antonio Brown not one of the best wide receivers in the game. Yeah, but that's why I emphasize quarterback because quarterback is the most – important position yeah. in sports so another guy that had great arm talent but just didn't have it upstairs ryan mallet you remember ryan, him? ryan had arm what? talent he had great arm talent but upstairs he just was um, not there we, we talking about the same right you talking about ryan mallet from arkansas yeah that ryan mallet yeah. had great what now arm talent i didn't say he was a talented qb i said arm talent Okay, go ahead. Explain yourself. <laughs> explain. What do you want me to explain? Anything. 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 We really. We, okay. Ryan, Ryan okay, Mallet. how about this? Ryan Mallet had a strong arm. He was capable of making pretty much, I don't want to say he was an accurate QB, but he had a strong arm. He was capable of making the same type of throws that Josh Allen makes now. Okay, sure. But from an IQ standpoint, he wasn't the brightest. No, he That's wasn't. Exactly why he fell in the draft and why he didn't succeed in the NFL. Yeah. yeah I, I, sure. That's your opinion on that one. Yeah. Okay. Just like you thought it was Odell's fault. <laughs> I first. said it. At first, I did. I was wrong. I was lying. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm sorry to the American people that I was lying. I apologize. Andy, you got anything to add? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this Andy, 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 you the goat, <laughs> goat for the reason. Lord have mercy. So, um, you know what? Let, let's get it. Shoot, we got time. Let's get into it. Predictions for this game. Rams and a blowout. A blowout, really? Oh, yep. Andy. 
I don't think it'll be a blowout, but I think it'll be the Rams. Okay. If it's a blowout, it's definitely going to be the Rams. No, bar none. If a blowout is going to happen, the Rams are going to blow There's them out no of the water. no way Cincinnati blows the Rams out. The Rams bet not get into situational football with them. The Rams will be in massive trouble if they get into situational football with them at any point of the game. If the, if it's a close game, I'm not liking the Rams' chances. And that's nothing against Stafford, Cup, Odell, none of that. No, it's, it's a fair just, statement. It's just who who steps up, who has stepped up more when it mattered the most in the playoffs this year. And that's why they're there, you know. And and Cincinnati is going to have a hard time. They're going to have a difficult time getting Aaron Donald and Von Miller as contained as they're going to do because that pass rush is coming, and they're coming fiercely. You know what I'm saying? And, like, I, I don't know. I, I can see a 10-sack performance by, by the Rams. I, I can see that. But I can also see a 10-sack performance, and then Cincinnati pulls out a win. I can also see that as well. So, so just to throw something out real quick, sorry to interrupt. No, you're good. I'm not sorry. No, I know you're not sorry. <laughs> J.A. So, courtesy of – I apologize if I pronounced your name incorrectly. but He's Arjun not listening. Menon. Yeah, he ain't listening. Go ahead. Pronounce it incorrectly. <laughs> <laughs> I got to give him props for this. But Joe Burrow has struggled against four teams. Okay. His worst four games this year have come against teams that are running Fangio's pre-snap too high scheme. Okay. The Bears, the Browns, the Chargers, and, and the Broncos. Mm. All rank in the top 16 in pre-snap too high looks. The team that runs the most snaps with that look, the Rams. Mm. And you remember how we did him. Right. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember. You know what I'm saying? But like, not just that, but Aaron Donald, the best defensive lineman in the league, along with Von Miller. Granted, not prime and a little bit older, but he still has the highest QB pressures alongside with Aaron Donald in the playoffs. This they season. they complement each other so well because they they shift their focus so much on Aaron Donald. Von Miller can get. Just get back there easily, hands down. I mean, you got Jalen Ramsey as your defensive back. And shout out to Waddle coming out of retirement. Yeah, yeah. Weddle, Weddle coming out of Weddle, retirement was crazy. Weddle. Weddle coming out of retirement was absolutely crazy. I, I like I like Cincinnati because, like I say again, it's just grit. It's just grit. That, that team is just tough. They're tough. You know what I'm saying? And I think one way that I, I would slow down that pass rush is very simple. Screens. You run that screen, running back screen, you know, wide receiver screen, bubble screen, stuff like that with Jamar Chase or even or even uh, Tyler Boyd who has underrated speed and everything like that. You slow them down early on, you know what I'm saying, because they're going to come at you full force. They're going to stack the box. They're going to bring five, six guys, you know, to come after you because that's how they're going to open up this game, I think. You know, with, with Burrow, you know, not having that offense line, let's say, compared to – you know the Rams' offense line; they're going to bring six, seven guys. So I would start start off with little screens here and there. Even if you're getting two, three yards off of those screens, you're still slowing down that pass rush because now they're going to they're not going to want to stack the box because they're not getting to Joe Burrow, and they're going to want to compact those screens and make sure they have more guys over there to make the tackles and everything like that. Especially if they get a big screen right off the bat, you know, because Jamar Chase can can catch it behind the line and take it for 57, 58 yards. 
you know, down the field. So, you know, if, if I'm Cincinnati, screen plays, short, uh, short intermediate throws, you got to get the ball. It has, to be, it has to be snap and go, snap and go, snap and go. Everybody has to run their routes perfectly. Everybody has to run their routes fast, too, you know, because if, if, if you don't get that ball out immediately against the Rams, they're going to have a massive problem on their hands. And God forbid if Joe Burrow gets hurt because their offensive line cannot hold up Aaron Donald or 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 Von Miller or any of those guys, then we got to look at Brandon Allen in the Super Bowl. Ugh, disgusting. <laughs> you know, so if if I'm Cincinnati starting off, don't even worry about the run. Don't worry about none of that because they're coming. They're coming to stack the box. Immediately, I'll be stunned if the first play is not a blitz by the by the Rams. I'll be absolutely surprised. They're going to test that offense line early. They're going to test how how cool Joe Burrow is under pressure. Did you make a prop bet? Make a prop bet? Yeah, I make one. Make a prop bet on that. See how much money you make. True. Okay. I mean, I don't usually do the sports betting thing, but I, I, chances I, that the Rams blitz on the very first play. Shoot, I. I say eighty five percent. Yeah, you can make a bet on that. I, I probably will. I probably will because I think it's about it's about eighty five percent chance they'll, they'll they'll make a blitz. I mean, I'm 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 expecting it. I'm expecting a blitz the very first play. Like seriously, um, if I'm the Rams, how I will win this Super Bowl is just make Mixon beat you. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, but either make Mixon or 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 um or Higgins beat you. That's what makes Aaron Donald so special. He can literally blow up the entire line. He could, and that's why I said Cincinnati needs the short, intermediate routes outside uh, out routes. You remember what you told me earlier? What defense wins championships? It do. It do. Who got the best defense coming into this game? Oh, definitely the Rams. Exactly. But who got the best situational defense coming into this game? I mean, situational defense. How many times do? I mean, you have. We might get the into end of it. The first half, and then you have the end of the game. Those situational, or even, plays. or even everybody thinks end of the half, end of, towards the end of the game, but third quarter as well. Again, the Rams are going against the best third quarter team in the league. Who's got the better coaching staff? Definitely McVay, but who also came from <laughs> McVay's coaching staff? Who also came from McVay's coaching staff? So I mean, he came from his coaching staff, but I mean, he did only have what like Belichick's a sip of coffee. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, there's a difference between having a Red Bull and a coffee. <laughs> so I mean, and that's and, and you come from Bill Belichick. You had a Red Bull. You think you can go in there and do whatever the heck you want? A little sip of coffee. And they're like, oh, okay, okay. How did we view Zach Taylor before Joe Burrow came? Um, why did they make that hire? Exactly. <clears throat> And he showed us that even last year in Joe Burrow's rookie season, when he got Burrow hurt, mm-hmm. nothing's changed. Not, not, I don't know. <laughs> nothing's I don't know. changed. So it's, it's amazing how uh, an amazing generational talent can make you look like a genius. You go from looking like an idiot to looking like a genius. Uh, are we talking about Mike McCarthy here? No, we're talking about Zach Taylor. Oh, I thought you were talking about Mike McCarthy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I really did. I, I like really that did. one. I like that one. I mean – that's Mike McCarthy's whole coaching career is riding off the coattails of Brett Favre and, and Aaron Rodgers, especially Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I mean, especially. I mean, it, it, what what are your three keys of the game for Cincinnati? If you have three keys of the game for Cincinnati. Uh, three keys. Number one, you need to be able to establish the run, which I don't see happening. I feel like for Cincinnati, where they automatically are just like – it's their offensive line. 
their offensive line automatically just sets them back. You have to be able to have a, an established offensive line that can do something. And we, we've seen recent history what it looks like when you go against a great defensive line and your offensive line is horrible. Mm-hmm. We just saw it last year. Like, it just was – it was a massacre out there. So, I mean, if we – if you put it in a perspective, there's a reason that Cincinnati is the underdog. Number mm-hmm. one, the Rams have the better coaching staff. Number two, the Rams have the better defense. Uh, I give Cincinnati the advantage offensively uh, with Tyler Boyd, very underrated. I was, man, I'm a big Tyler Boyd fan. I actually like his game. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I like Tyler Boyd's game. Uh, T. Higgins, I liked him coming out of Clemson. Uh, Jamar Chase, Beast coming out of LSU. Joe right. Burrow, that chemistry with him and uh, Jamar Chase. I don't get why more teams point. don't do it. Yeah. But I don't think they're offensive. The, the two offensive lines are as mismatched as the defensive lines. Yeah. Oops. I mean, the defensive line f- for Los Angeles is far superior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the offensive line, I, I think they're I think they're pretty close. You know, so, I mean, like you said, it's whoever can establish the run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I don't see Cincinnati doing it. And that's the biggest question mark with the Rams, too. They've struggled running the ball. So. <laughs> yeah, they they have. I'm going to give you some offense. I'm going to give you some rankings here because as I'm looking at these numbers, these these two teams kind of similar uh, as far as on paper. So total yards offensively, the Rams ranked ninth in the league. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati ranked 10th. Passing yards per game, Rams ranked 5th. Cincinnati ranked 7th. Mm-hmm. Rushing yards, Rams 25th. Bengals 23rd in the league. Points per game, dead even. Dead even points per game on the offensive side. Ram, bank, my, my first key to the game for the Cincinnati Bengals, outside of protect Joe Burrow at all costs, mm-hmm. is convert on third down. That is the mismatch. Uh, the Cincinnati mm-hmm. Bengals rank 16th in the league at 39.6 uh, percentage uh, converting third down compared to the Los Angeles Rams at 44%. And if you look on the defensive side of the ball, they're kind of identical as well. The Rams rank 17th in defense. The Bengals rank 20th in defense. Mm-hmm. The Rams rank are the 22nd worst passing defense in the league. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati is the 26th worst, <laughs> worst ranked defense <laughs> in the league. They're also the best ranked rushing defense in the league. Cincinnati ranked 5th. Rams ranked 6th. Six, six. And they're identical at points given up per game with the Rams giving up 22 and Cincinnati giving up 22 points per game as well. Okay. You want to talk about on paper, especially on third down conversions on defense, on paper these two teams are evenly matched. On paper. I, on yeah. paper. And and the film does back some of that stuff up. Mm-hmm. Like I think these two teams are coming in a little bit more evenly matched than we think. Really? I think so. Outside of offense and defensive line play, which to me, outside of defense wins championship, you win your games in the trenches. How about the mm-hmm. playoff statistics? Playoff statistics, I can pull that up. Just give me one moment. And actually, the last wide receiver, no, no, no. The only two wide receivers in the league to win the Triple Crown, lead the league in receptions, receiving yards, and, and touchdowns. receiving touchdowns, Michael, Ir- Michael Irvin and Jerry Rice. Yep. Both won Super Bowls. Yep. Yeah. Now you got Cooper Cup coming into this game. Mm-hmm. He did that. I think he's going to be a, a big-time difference maker. I'm actually interested to see how Cincinnati uh, decides to defend him. To me, there's, there's a wide receiver like that. 
one-on-one safety over the top. And that's why I think uh, Odell Beckham's going to have a big game. Yeah. He, because he has definitely, even when he was here with Cleveland, like he he showed out against Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would let Odell beat me. I would let Odell beat me. Uh, if you let Cooper Cup get you, it's, it's a wrap. It's, yeah. And it's the same way on the other end for the Rams. I would sit back and let Higgins or Boyd beat me and make sure you can contain Jamar Chase as much as you can. Those two guys, you had to play similar. One-on-one coverage, safety over the top to help out. If Cincinnati wins the Super Bowl, I can tell you who wins the most out of anybody on that team. The person to win the most or that gets the most out of this win would be the defensive coordinator. Yeah. The defensive coordinator, and he's probably going to get looked at for a head coaching job next year. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, it's not gonna. It should. It probably from a media standpoint, Joe Burrow is gonna get a lot of attention, mm-hmm. a lot of praise. Um, Zach Taylor, he's probably gonna get an extension. And the one person that isn't gonna get a lot of attention but deserves it the most is gonna be their defensive coordinator, yeah. uh, Lou. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but yeah, that's that's who's gonna get that, or that's who should get majority of the praise. If they end, if they end up beating the Rams, and yeah, you know I, I what? Agree. If that happens, I don't ever see Cincinnati going to another Super Bowl in Zach Taylor's under Zach Taylor. If if he end up leaving, it, no, yeah, if uh, the if their defensive coordinator leaves, yeah, yeah, kind of kind of reminds me like to go from a different sport, but kind of the same thing, and that's and that's the 2008 Boston Celtics, yeah, because a lot of people, oh, doc, 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 doc. Mm-hmm. Go look up the interviews about those players talking about that team. They talk about Tom Thibodeau, yeah. and they weren't the same at the Tom Thibodeau left. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of the same thing. I can I can see that happening potentially. Like like I say, a lot of people would even sit back and say Cincinnati not, Cincinnati's not even supposed to be here in the first place. Yeah. The fact that they're here kind of shows me what type of team they are. We win a loss, and also in a way you can also reference uh, Seattle Seahawks with Dan Quinn. Yeah. Granted, he wasn't the greatest head coach. But his defense, the way he was able to bring the most out of mm-hmm. a lot of those guys who were some late draft picks, um, Richard Sherman, yeah, late draft Shoot, pick. Shoot, him, him and Gus Bradley. Yeah, Gus Bradley, Gus Bradley, was, Gus Bradley yeah. was defensive coordinator here first before Dan Quinn took over. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, both of them, same same way. And really, when both of, once both of those guys left, it was never the same. Exactly. It was never the same. I, I think coordinators definitely deserve a little bit more credit than they than they receive sometimes, mm-hmm. for sure, for sure. But uh, when we come back, we uh, we almost forgot, ironically enough, forgotten moments in Super Bowl history. Yeah. And um, we'll be right back here on Technically It Is Real here on North Coast Underground. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You've messed up your daughter's haircut. Do you, A, get spiritual? Mom, where's the mirror? Beauty is within. Oh. B. Find the positives. Less time blow drying, more time texting. Or C. Show empathy. Mom, you really don't have twinsies. I kind of love it. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on adoption, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. If you drive buzzed, it could cost you around $10,000. You'll face major legal fees, major fines, and steep insurance penalties. You could lose everything. Buzzed, busted, and broke. Because buzz driving is drunk driving. When I was 
little, I didn't talk for a long time. I was sensitive to lights and sounds, so I built secret hiding places where they couldn't get in. Sometimes, I do the same things over and over, until one day, I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at AutismSpeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. I know for a fact, right now, you're listening to the radio. Call the Ohio Media School. It's time to start a career in broadcast communications. You are guaranteed 160 hours for internship credit. Guaranteed hands-on coursework. And guaranteed to work with instructors that are in the field. Only you can guarantee your success. Call the Ohio Media School right now, 216-503-5900, to begin your journey to success. Financial aid is available to those who qualify. I want to thank my mommy for loving me so much. For, for taking, taking me to the doctor when I broke my foot. For leaving me alone when I wanted to be alone. And, and now, as a grown-up, I'm thankful for being able to take care of you, my dear mom. For taking you to your therapies. For understanding that sometimes you simply want to be alone. Roles change without us noticing. That's why AARP gives you the information to provide even better care for your loved one. Visit aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Back to Technically It Is Real. We are talking about the upcoming Super Bowl tomorrow. And this show is presented by Bob Evans, who has the best hot chocolate in the world. Oh, Bob Evans. Wait, we got sponsors on this go. show? Yeah, you ain't know about that? No, I ain't know about that. This is my show, and we ain't got no sponsor. We got uh, a sponsor for real? Yeah, we got a sponsor. Since when Bob Evans contacted me? They contacted me. By the way, they contacted you about my show. Yeah. About a sponsor on my show. Because I'm the star. What? Yeah. Is that, Andy, do you hear this crap? Yeah, I heard it happen. It was all good. <laughs> so y'all two I'm know back about it. Y'all two know about it and I don't. Yeah, just like I didn't know y'all was getting paid. Oh, yeah. You know what? See, I'm the only one that knows everything. Yeah, that apparently. he is the, the great, great white white. No, 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 not the. You got to say the, it right. The. The. E. 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 Great white white. Yeah. Uh, just a couple of quick announcements before we move on. You can listen to the replays on Spotify. Just type in Technically It Is Real on Google Podcasts and on Anchor as well. Also, follow the official Twitter page at TIR underscore 59. And also follow me on Twitter at Tyrell W. Jackson 1. Also, make sure you tune in at 6 o'clock on Monday on the All Sports Cleveland side to listen to the Flexing Hour starring EJ Flex, the great white white, and yours truly, Tyrell Jackson, I have no personality name at all because I'm just me. No so, personality. No, yours oh, is... You know, that was low. Yours is T-Rex. Well, apparently T-Rex, little short arms and everything like that. So, forgotten Super Bowl moments. Forgotten. These are moments that nobody talks about because it just didn't matter because something happened or they didn't win or whatever it may be. And the first one I want to bring up, remember when we talked about Super Bowl 42 and that David Tyree catch? Do anybody remember what happened the play before? Nope. Asante Samuels dropped the interception. Oh, yeah. I forgot oh, about yeah. that. Yeah. See, that's how we're going to start this off. He, he dropped the interception. And it just slipped right through his hands, and then the next play happens, and the rest is history. You got the Plasco Burrs touchdown that happened in that game that nobody talks about. I mean, he was wide open. Mm-hmm. I don't know what was more wide open, him or the Pacific Ocean. But nonetheless, he was wide open on that play. Um, 
Julio Jones sideline catch. Yeah. I mean, everybody talks about Edelman's sideline great catch. That sideline catch that, was like that toe tap. Whoo! How did he catch that ball? That's one of the greatest Super Bowl catches of all time. Yeah. Nobody talks about. Nobody talks about it at all. Jermaine Kurtz catch. Oh, you may think about it. I don't remember that. One. The 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 crazy one where he where he bobbled it. It was it was very very similar to Julian Edelman's catch. Okay. Like he like it ricochets off of I think it was actually Malcolm Butler's back. Uh-huh. And Jermaine Kurtz catches it, gets up and Mal- and he starts running and Malcolm Butler forces him out of bounds. Mm. Oh, Seattle? Mhm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which sets okay. up everything leading up to Yeah. The moment everybody talks about, yeah. but the Jermaine Curse catch happens that, and, and and the first thing you're thinking is like, oh my god, another crazy catch happened to, to uh, to Tom Brady and the Patriots, Mario Manningham's catch. Yeah, I mean, my god, talk I, about a forgotten guy in general. Yeah, Manningham. Yeah. yeah, how the hell did Eli make that throw? I don't know what it is with Eli Manning versus the New England Patriots. I don't know if it's because he just avenges his brother's losses or whatever yeah. it may be. It was like, but, yeah, it was like, you know, that was, you know, Peyton Manning, basically everything that he wanted when it came to the playoffs, Eli had it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, for real. I mean, for real. I mean, it was to me, it was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I'm like, did he make that catch? And I'm like, wait, Eli made that throw? Oh, my <laughs> God. Ridiculous, yeah. ridiculous. Oh, what about the um? What is that Titans name that used to play for the Giants? Uh, Jeremy Shockey. What about that play? What play is that? You remember when Eli threw the ball and right there, and I believe it was the San Francisco 49ers, The defender basically tackled him before the ball even got to him. It should have been a pass interference, but they didn't. Uh, they didn't throw the flag. Are you talking? About, wait, 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 wait. I think it was. I think it was the Giants against the 49ers. Are, wait, wait. You realize we're talking about Super Bowls, right? Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, and I think I you're talking. And I that. think you're talking about the Rams and Saints. It was, no, it wasn't the Rams and Saints. It was. It was legit. It was something similar to that, though. It, no, it was legit the Giants. But wow. this was like the NFC championship, championship game. game. Yeah. So it was a it was basically a year where the Giants should have been in the Super Bowl, but I th- I forgot we were talking about this. Okay, you yeah, guys are going down this analytical road, which you always do. Uh-huh. So we're talking about greatest Super Bowl moments or most forgotten, forgotten Super yeah. Bowl moments, and uh, you mentioned ones that don't necessarily impact the game. I got to go with uh, Refrigerator Perry scoring a touchdown. That's not a forgotten moment. No, it's though. not that's, a forgotten that's a moment. Great moment. It is a great moment. Yeah. It didn't impact the game. Uh, but you just yeah, it was a knockdown. It was a beatdown. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. It I, was. But that's I tell you a forgotten moment in that in that Super Bowl in general. Walter, everybody forgets Walter Payton did not score a touchdown in that game. Oh yeah, he did not score. Matter of fact, Walter Payton had a terrible game that game. Like they didn't they didn't give it the ball to, to to Walter Payton at all. That that is a forgotten moment. Like everybody forgets about that, and just like everybody's like, yeah, Walter Payton got his ring. He didn't do nothing. And Walter Payton was not happy yeah. about it neither. He was like, I finally get to this game, and you telling me this this 300-pound man get to score? <laughs> he took my moment away? He took – come on now. Come on now. You know what I'm saying? And, and just – it just sucks. It just sucks for him. Mm-hmm. You know what? I know we in the forgotten moment, but there's a moment that I, I forgot to put into one of the best moments of all time. Wide right. Hey, Scott yeah. Norwood. No, Scott Norwood. Uh, yeah, I don't remember that either. You don't remember one of the most infamous missed game-winning field goals of all time, Super Bowl twenty-five? No. 
Okay, it's forgotten to you then because it's it's <laughs> one of the most memorable moments in Super Bowl history. Forty-seven yards, Scott Norwood misses it wide right against the Giants. Yeah, you have completely forgotten that moment. Um, so, so that means you forgot the Don Beebe moment. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that moment, Andy? No, I don't. Uh, uh, Leon Lett running the ball down the field. He's about to score the touchdown. He's all celebrating. Here comes da- little Don oh, yeah, Beebe yeah, yeah, coming yeah, out yeah, of yeah, nowhere. I remember that. I do and smacks that. it away. I remember yes, that. I do remember that. A play that I know none of you remember because nobody talks about this game in general. No, because you're just Mu- Muhammad, 85-yard touchdown pass yeah. by Jake DeLong. I mean, catch by Jake DeLong. I mean, just... DeLome just puts the puts it right there and he just takes off with it. Mm-hmm. And DeLome turns around and he's like, I'm a bad MF. He's <laughs> like, I mean, like that that play was absolutely amazing. The play before the one yard short play, which was Steve McNair's scra- similar thing that happened with Eli. Mm-hmm. Steve McNair gets away from all that pressure, scrambles, finds somebody wide open, and then the next play is the one yard short play. Like, they're forgotten because they make the impact at that time. But it doesn't, you know, it leads to certain events of disaster. Yeah. Larry Fitzgerald's 64-yard touchdown run, uh, pass. Yeah, that led to the San Antonio Holmes catch. I mean, my God. My God. I mean, that is easily one of the greatest plays of all time that nobody remembers. I was rooting for the Cardinals. Oh, me too. Come on now. You can't root against Pittsburgh. Uh, boo. <laughs> boo, Pittsburgh. Andy boo. was rooting for Pittsburgh. You know he was. He was like, yeah, they're in the AFC North. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, man. I was rooting for Kurt, to be honest. Kurt Warner. Yeah, yeah. I was rooting for him. I'd say a forgotten, a forgotten game in general, Super Bowl Five. Super Bowl Five. Super Bowl Five. Colts, Cowboys. You, you, you got to realize I'm a historian <laughs> in this stuff. You're talking about 10 turnovers in a game, and the game comes down to a kicker. Yeah, yeah. I give you a forgotten quarterback Did in you general. Remember Super Bowl five? No, Andy, of course. Well, Andy might. I wasn't remember. alive either. Are you sure? <laughs> I guarantee it. <laughs> Thanks, though. Hey, you're welcome. You're welcome. Twice on Saturdays. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, shoot, you got. I mean, there's a lot of moments that that are like forgotten or just remembered. I mean, the Super John Bowl Elway's the Super Bowl. helicopter move in thirty-two mm, Super Bowl thirty-two. Yeah, that that was an amazing moment. That was an amazing moment in history. He never came out of the pocket, and then when he does, he gets clamped. <laughs> yeah, he just, he just clobbered. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for sure, Jackie Smith's dropped touchdown pass yeah. against the Pittsburgh, and ironically enough, he makes that catch. Who knows how that Super Bowl goes down? They had to settle for a field goal, and that put them down by four points, and they lose the game by four points. So you got that. You got Terrell. Was it Terrell Davis? Terrell Davis forgetting his helmet. Yeah, yeah. You got Terrell Davis forgetting his helmet. Mm-hmm. You got. It's a lot of. It's just a lot of moments in general in the Super Bowl. That is just absolutely crazy. This is absolutely crazy. I, shoot, you know how everybody talk about the Packers beating beating down the New England Patriots mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Everybody forgets the Patriots in that game pretty close until the end. Yeah. Joe Namath guaranteeing the win. Oh yeah, yeah. That that one's not. Guy. Every 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 everyone remembers that one because it's like everybody thought he was crazy and then yeah. he. That game in general is forgotten. I mean, he was sixteen to seven. Yeah. So I mean, that game is just forgotten in general. Um, like and then like I said, just in our in our lifetime, Super Bowl thirty eight is just forgotten in general. It's one of the greatest games that are forgotten. And a lot of people just forget like the first really the first two quarters up until like towards the end, it was it was uh, like a defensive fest, nobody scored points and then all of a sudden it just exploded, mm-hmm. you know, out of nowhere. Um again, 
Like I mentioned earlier in the show, Ricky Pro, I would hate Tom Brady forever. <laughs> <laughs> I tied a game up twice, and this dude drives the football field length and just ruins my moment. Yeah. You know, I, I I would sit back and say, shoot, even Tom Brady's first Super Bowl. Honestly. You know, at the, the the drive, the drive leading up to Vinatieri's kick. I mean, it's an epic drive that nobody talks about, and and nobody talks about John Madden's reaction to it because they're about to start the drive. And John Madden, I think they had just one timeout or whatever it may be. And John Madden's like, oh, just play for overtime. It's okay. Play for overtime. And by the end of the drive, John Madden's like, that is one of the greatest drives I've ever seen in my entire life. He <laughs> <laughs> was like, the way Tom Brady handled that drive. I mean, Super Bowl 50 forgotten. I mean, nobody cares about that Super Bowl, you know. Um, I mean, just the Super Bowl in general has just made an impact on our lives Honestly, for forever. Can I honestly say this? The most impactful moment in modern NFL history that paved basically the way paved Tom Brady's career, and it didn't happen in the Super Bowl. Okay. Me and you talked about this off air. Mo Lewis. The Tuck Rule. The Tuck Rule. Oh yes, we did talk about that. You know, let's let's talk about that one real quick. Do you know that was not the only time that rule was called? Do you know the Tuck Rule game? No, I don't. So the Tuck Rule game happens uh, AFC divisional round against the Oakland Raiders. Charles Woodson sacks Tom Brady, forces the ball out, and the Raiders recover. Okay. And this moment is basically like if if what happens next doesn't define Tom Brady, who knows what happens? It basically changes, changed the course of, changes of NFL course, history. Yeah. Hmm. That's how big it was. That's Even how big Tom it was. Brady recently came out and said if that doesn't happen and they lose that game, he is not the starter. No. Drew, what is it, Drew Blesso? Drew Blesso, because a lot of people forget wow. they had re-signed Drew Blesso to a five-year deal that right. uh, that, that offseason. Mm-hmm. And, um, and basically the rule was if the quarterback is pump faking but the arm is going forward – and he tucks it in. And he fumbles it. And he fumbles it. It's considered him trying to go for a forward pass, so it's mm-hmm. incomplete. Mm-hmm. And everybody goes, oh, that was the first time that ever happened. It hasn't happened since. And they made that rule up and this and third. Two important facts about that game and about that rule that a lot of people don't realize. One, the rule came in effect in 1999. Two, the rule happened against the New England Patriots earlier that year. Hmm. Vinny Testaverde playing for the New York Jets. The tuck rule happens in that game, the same game that Mo Lewis hit Drew Bledsoe and almost killed them. That started the trajectory of Tom Brady. Yeah. So Tom Brady's trajectory literally happens off of the same rule, just two different ways. Yeah. And <clears throat> what's also interesting is that the Mo Lewis game, which led to the tuck rule of that game, that game was not even supposed to happen at that time because they played the Jet. They were supposed to play the Jets the week before, but they had to play them the week after because do you know what happened that caused the league to stop everything for one week? 9-11. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, and I actually, I covered this on this show before, how 9-11 created this butterfly effect for the NFL. And how it started Brady and it started this whole tuck rule thing. And it's just like on a non-serious note of 9-11 mm-hmm. or the least serious part of 9-11, how it just made this whole butterfly effect. Because 
who knows if Drew Bledsoe gets hit like that if they're playing their game regularly scheduled. Yeah, sure. Yeah. The game, you know, where, when they played the Jets, when they played the Jets, they were supposed to be playing the Colts that game that week. Yeah. Tom Brady's first start in his career was against Peyton Manning and the Colts. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, and is. Tom Brady beat the Peyton Manning Colts. That's interesting. Crazy. It is. It is highly interesting. So it's like. Who knows if those events happen like that if they play that week, that game that week prior, which leads to Tom Brady coming in and taking over, starting the tug rule happens. And I think actually Brady got injured on that. Did he get injured on that play? No, he got no. injured the next game, yeah. which led Drew Bledsoe, which a lot of people forget. Drew Bledsoe had to come in and lead the team to the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'm going to give you a known fact, and you can look this up right now, Andy. Eugene might know. Pittsburgh made it to the Super Bowl three times in the Tom Brady era, in that time span. They never played the New England Patriots when when they made it to the Super Bowl, each, all three of those times. Never had to run into them. That's why I'm like, mm, Pittsburgh, oh, they got two Super Bowls out of it. They never had to go through the Patriots. Every single time they played the Patriots, they lost in the playoffs. Mm. Like, the, like the Patriots are the Steelers' daddy. So since you like AFC North team so much and hate the New England Patriots, I'm alright with that. Own the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that is for you, Becky. Uh, <laughs> so just remember that you guys can enjoy your little two Super Bowl rings. The Patriots got six, and you never had to go through the Patriots not one time to to get there. So, yay! I'm staying out of it. Uh, I know you got to say you got to go home to it. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I, I don't want to sleep on the couch. <laughs> yeah, you just enjoy. And it's hey, it's a comfortable couch you got, by the way. It is. It is. It is. You know, so you know, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, Pittsburgh has six rings too. Yeah. Okay. Well, you said enjoy four, your two. Look, look, enjoy the two because yay, six rings. Congratulations, you have four in the seventies. <laughs> the Patriots did it in a twenty-year span. The, the Patriots caught up with the Pittsburgh Steelers couldn't do in 40. Just saying. Just saying. This is one of the greatest dynasties of our entire lives. In general. It is. I, I can't stand it either. But, I mean, everything came right for them. They got an NBA championship. They had got a few Stanley Cubs. <laughs> the, the Red Sox break their streak. The Red Sox cheated. <laughs> what year? 04 or 07? 07. Ortiz and Manny tested positive. For oh, yeah, that's right. They did. And they then did. Ortiz went and cried and said, I never took anything. <laughs> <laughs> and they took everything for face Now, see, making fun of Boston players? That's I can get oh, behind. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's David Ortiz. He's the nicest guy in the world. He would never take anything. Yeah, whatever. I mean, come on. Don't hate I never took anything. He's a false positive. Tell me more, Eugene. <laughs> Tell me more, Eugene. Come yeah, on. Can't stand Boston. Yes, you can. Boston's the greatest ever. Yeah, the most oh, insufferable oh fans. Oh my gosh, they really are what too. What? Oh, they're the, the Bo- worst. Bo- fans. No, Boston. Bo- Boston got the best fans. Can no, we talk about uh, the worst fans no. in uh, major sports? Just Boston has the best Boston. fans. No, no. no. I lived amongst them. No, they don't. He's doing this on purpose. No, I'm not. I'm doing this. Hugh Jackson. Hugh you know Jackson. <laughs> Jamarcus okay. Russell. Jamarcus Russell does. It, 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 he doesn't trigger me as much. It just Lane Kiffin was right about him. Lane Kiffin was right about him. And Al Davis was like, "No, I want him." And Lane Kiffin was like, "No, give me Calvin Johnson." Just saying. Hugh just Jackson saying. was right about him too. Excuse me. Hugh Jackson was right about. Right about who? About uh, Jamarcus Russell. 
Hugh Jackson wasn't even nowhere near on that staff at the time. No, he wasn't on the staff, but he was right about him. He said it was his franchise quarterback. Like Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah. Remember remember Hugh Jackson told us to trust him with Cody, Cody Kessler? Kessler? Yeah. Yeah. Did the you worst. trust him? No. Cody Kessler couldn't even throw the ball thirty five yards down the field. I trusted him. Did you trust him in yeah, I trust him. You trust him? No, yeah, I ain't trust him. The only one I trust him on was Carson Wentz because Carson Wentz had a playbook on his dashboard. That's the only one I trust. Yeah. But best fans, Boston, right? Boston. Come on, Boston. Best fans in the world. Boston. No. Crickets. No. 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 Okay, but all serious no, Boston, I hate their fans. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers fans are the worst. To me, they're just arrogant. Six Super Bowls, yeah. Woo. I can agree with Pittsburgh's fans. Being yeah, the worst. look at our yeah, terrible towels. Yeah, oh my god. And I, I might sound biased. I would say Cleveland fans are among the best. They're loyal when they shouldn't be. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, you know what? That's the thing about Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has not been put to the test about their loyalty. And like what? Fifty years, fifty, sixty years now. Because seventies, they were great. They had that little rough patch in the eighties, but even then, they were serviceable in the eighties. 90s, excellent team for the most part. The 2000s, two Super Bowl champions. Like, when has Pittsburgh been put to the test? When have their fan base been put to the test? Recent history, Duck Hodges, Mason Rudolph. But even then, they were still winning games. I mean, but they're also losing. Even now, they were winning games. They just made it to the playoffs. Yeah. When has Pittsburgh fans been truly tested? Think about it. Let's see what Pittsburgh Steelers fans do. When they go, when they go four and thirteen, but they have to live in Pittsburgh. That's enough they, of a they test. Still got to yeah, that's true. Let, let them have a good, that, that's let them have a good that's football true. team. That's yeah. not gonna happen because they still got Tomlin. Like I know, they went eight and eight with Doug Hodges. That's what I'm saying. Like, when have they been battle tested? Like yeah. even going eight and eight. I mean, that's disappointing for them. But like, when have they been tested? Tested. If you want to be truthful about it, though, here in Cleveland, if you consider all of our sports. We have had a pretty good run. I mean, it's been a long time yeah. since we've not had a contender yeah. in one of the three major sports. I mean, I would probably say since the Indians really took off in the mid-90s Absolutely. that we've had ups and downs with everything. But those uh, those high high notes have never overlapped too much. Yeah. Like, as soon as the Cavs started sucking, then, then the, the, uh, Indians the, Bron- the Indians got good. Exactly. Got good. I mean, the and one, vice versa. Yeah. Once the Indians went downhill, the Cavs, uh, the Cavs came up. Yeah, so. yeah, and then the one constant is the Browns just sucked. Right. Yeah. That, that, but you know, the past, past couple years, they've been contenders. Yeah, Yeah. you know, you, you make an excellent point. Yeah. You make an excellent so, point. So everybody comes down on Cleveland for having horrible sports teams, but I don't know. I, I disagree with that because we have had contenders for yeah. a good number even, of years even now. Even if it was not winning championships, what the Cavaliers were great when 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 LeBron was here carrying the team and stuff like that. Absolutely, we went to the NBA Finals, and then the the Cavs started sucking, and then all of a sudden you see the Indians start to rise up. You know, you could even go back further when you talk about the Cavs being great contenders in the late 80s, 80s yeah. early 90s. And the Indians and Mark Price, trash. Elo, all the, yeah, abs- yeah. Oh, yeah, Indians and were absolute trash. Absolute trash. And then, but you had the Browns and the Cavaliers to, to piggyback on. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what, you would probably say, what, the early 90s? Probably be the last time. Because, what, that's when all three of the teams were bad. Yeah. The, the Cavs And it didn't up. last long because no. the Indians in 94, I still say they would have won the World Series had there not been a lockout. Yeah. yeah I mean, I they had, what, 102, 103 wins already? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I agree. They absolutely would have won. We and should have won in – well, it's not an easy – We should have won in 97. We should have won in 95. Jose Mesa. 
Oh, don't say that. <sighs> it's like Voldemort, the name not to be mm-hmm. uttered. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I can't wait for baseball season. <laughs> Me and you both. Man. Me and you both. We should have won in 07. I thought we had the team to win in 07. Yeah, we we should have won in 16. Yeah. We yeah. yeah. We should have won Stupid in 16. Stupid brain delay. But you know what? We're Stupid. Fi- we're finally going to end up winning. You know what? I, I think so. Yeah. Maybe the jinx yeah. is over. Yeah. But you know what? 16 can only be blamed on Tito. Yeah, I agree. yeah, bringing out Miller two once, Miller and Kluber one too many times. Kluber should not have been pitching a third time. No, I no, should not have been in that started series. a third time. He should have came out the bullpen if he's gonna. And pitch. that's the that's the crazy part. Like I know we talk about forgotten Super Bowl moments and stuff like that. Just like that whole Cubs team coming back, like they won the whole World Series. But the one moment everybody talks about from that World Series is Roger Davis, Davis hitting that home run. Yeah. yeah. Like, nothing comes close to any other moment in that World Series. Like, can no. anybody name me another moment from that World Series outside the rain delay? The rain delay. <laughs> like, not name the rain delay and not Raji Harris hitting a home run. I'll right. wait. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Moments, yeah. I mean, it was just so many stupid things. Bauer. Yeah. You know, I mean, come on. And that was before it's, the World Series. It I'm was like, before. Because we already had Carrasco out. Yeah. You know, with an injury. Like, we were supposed to run that three-man rotation with Miller being our strongest from the bullpen. And then, right. oh, well, let me play with this drone. We legit have the best starting rotation. They were just we hurt. We consistently do, time. though. We consistently do. Yeah. You know, our, our pitching staff has been phenomenal just for phenomenal. decades. The for problem decades. is when they win a Cy Young, we trade them away. Yeah. That finally stopped uh, this last time. but No, because um, Kluber won a Cy Young twice. Yeah, and but he, he wasn't yeah. traded, like, right away. Yeah. We still had him for a couple of yeah, years. Yeah, because we had CeCe. But CeCe won in 2007, yep. gone in 08. And then Cliff, Cliff Lee. Lee won. Yep, and, and then, then we traded him we to, Philly. to Philly. Yeah, to Philly. Oh, I was hot when we traded him to Philly. I was hot. I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, really? Yeah. No, we can't, we can't pay him. We can't afford him. How about so. you stop being cheap? <laughs> Sorry for hijacking your football show with the. No, you're fine. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. I mean, Honestly, at this point. So. Imagine had we gone in that World Series with the Cubs against the Cubs with our full rotation, Kluber. It, it wouldn't have gone seven games. Exactly. No. It wouldn't have gone seven games. Carrasco, Bauer, Salazar. Yeah. When Salazar yep. was legit, like yeah, NBA, that dude, he was legit. lights out. Dude, man, he had the sickest changeup and fastball. He was throwing that bad boy what ninety seven ninety eight. Well, and Miller was lights out. Yeah, Miller, Andrew Miller. Yeah. Yeah, like man, that was a fun team to watch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it sure was. It sure was for sure. You okay. know what I'm saying? We got to get back to baseball. <laughs> we are. Talking can't about wait. Baseball. No, no. I mean the season has to. You know, I <laughs> yeah, can't wait yeah, for it to get yeah, going. You know, this lockout. Man- Manfred, Manfred, oh, Manfred yeah, the today, worst. Today, Manfred uh, was supposed to come with a counter offer for the uh, or to the players. Okay. Yeah, so, and I haven't seen anything about it yet. We'll, so we'll hear about it. Apparently, he's very confident in this uh, counter offer. So. So we'll have two things to talk about on Monday. The Super Bowl and what's happening with the lockout. Oh, no. (laughs) Right. Uh, We got to finish talking about uh, our debate from the last episode. I don't remember what that was. When we were talking about ways to fix tanking. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, on Monday? Yeah. Yeah, we definitely do got to. So, y'all y'all don't miss the flex now or on Monday now. We got a great show coming up. We got the debate that we got to continue on from, from last week and everything like that. And then we go. Obviously, we know we got to talk about the Super Bowl. Yeah, post-game. Got to talk. Post-game, yeah. post-game. Yeah, for sure. Oh, look. Eli Manning with that drip. And some calves, too. Some calves talk. Yeah. 
Yeah. Nice win story. last night. Oh yeah. Didn't I tell y'all? Didn't you, I tell y'all? You that called the restaurant? it. You called it. Oh, they still down by ten. They, they still were down, down by, by ten. And you called it. I'm Don't saying, worry, buddy. They're gonna come back. <laughs> They're gonna come. Was that a ghost? <laughs> was that a ghost? <laughs> that? The door kept opening up. It like that's. That's not my problem. That's, that's not. That's not. That's. I didn't. I didn't do nothing wrong. Okay. I thought. I thought it was a ghost. I didn't realize it was a little sensor right there. I did. I didn't realize it. I didn't realize it at all. I apologize to to my fellow so, Americans. Sorry. So clearly, the alternative would be a ghost. <laughs> yeah. If you don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah. The, yeah. It'd be a ghost. It's not my. It's not my black fault. Shoot. And it was a sensor right there. Then no, then no. I mean, come on now. Then no, that's my oh, God. <laughs> it is crazy. Off of two beers though. <laughs> I felt so embarrassed. Oh, I, you know, you know, I, I apologized to her. Did you? Yeah. I, I was in the car. I was like, I, I'm sorry. And she, and she was like, What you got to be sorry about? I was like. I got drunk. <laughs> I can even hear her voice. Oh, it's fine. Oh, it's fine. Yeah, 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 for real. I mean, she and it just, it just left me some reassurance, and 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 I did make sure I text you guys that I got home safely. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Because I almost didn't, I almost almost fell asleep, and then I was like, oh no, I still got stuff to write about this. And I was like, okay, let me let me go ahead. And I had to stop at the gas station to get gas because I had like 20 miles to eat. Uh, so I was like, I gotta get some gas, dude. <laughs> This is terrible. <laughs> this is terrible. I cannot believe it. Um, shoot, at least twelve o'clock, and then I woke up at five thirty, and was on in and out of sleep for the next three hours. That's why I got this monster drink because I needed it badly. Shout out to Monster. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, they're not official sponsors, but you know, would love to get in contact that with you, you guys. Know <laughs> you know what? You got all the inside scoop. All right, Adam Schefter, you better be right about it. You better be right about it. I'm just saying. Super <laughs> Well, this has been another edition of Technically It Is Real. I want to thank the Andy, the great, the great White White for joining the show. Yeah, thank thanks you. for having me. That's right. Hey, no problem. And EJ Flex, Eugene, I appreciate you. I appreciate you guys coming on to the show. You guys will always be guests on this show. We always welcome to be on this show thank you, as well. And this has been me, Tyrell Jackson. T-Rex. T-Rex for Technically It Is Real. And it has been real. Thank you for listening to another episode of Technically It Is Real. I have been your host, Tyrell Jackson, and it has been real. Go Browns, Cavs, Guardians, and Fighting Irish. Stay safe out there and see you soon.